Welcome to Fargo Talks Fargo, an unofficial podcast on the FX television series. Fargo Talks Fargo is hosted by me, Bill, and my buddy Sharpie. Cello. <laughs> Ever cello, really? <laughs> this season of Fargo Talks Fargo is sponsored by Fargo Brewing and their Wood Chipper IPA. It's delicious, and it's not just for breakfast anymore. Also, Fargo Talks Fargo is brought to you by Audible.com. Visit audibletrial.com slash Fargo Talks Fargo and find out more about how you can get a free trial to Audible. We'll make a recommendation for a book later on in the episode because listening to books is awesome and you should do it. That's my new tagline. Listening to books is awesome. So this is a special episode. We haven't done any this season. Bonus. We're going to have a a, bonus. We're going to have a a bunch of extra ones at the end of this season, I think. So we're really excited today. Today, tonight, what is, yeah, well, it's night, right? Tonight. Tonight, to have, have Maggie Phillips here, the music supervisor for this season two of Fargo Talks Fargo. Thanks for joining us, Maggie. Hi, I have to say I'm an Audible Gold member. Oh, wow. <laughs> Do you, hey, how about this? Let's make a deal. You're going to make the recommendation <laughs> this week. I will certainly make a recommendation, yeah. Oh, that'd be awesome. And then we- I, because uh, I, I listen to so much music for my job that when I listen for pleasure now, it's it's always books on tape. And so I, I listen to about five books a month. I go o- over my gold membership at Audible, but yeah. Do you have I, like a really long commute? No, it's no, when I, it's like when I take my dog on a walk, when I'm doing errands. Yeah. Whenever I was at, at the gym. I listen yeah. at the gym quite a bit. That's really nice. Yeah. yeah I'm a big book on tape person. Well, and, see, there you go. Yeah. So I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Audible. Well, we'll will, put we'll put you on the spot a little later in this episode, and you can tell I'll us your your yeah. favorite book. And if it's something we've read, we'll nix it, and you'll get a second chance. <laughs> okay. So uh, Sharpie, I'll let you kick us off here. Okay. So Maggie, you you are the music uh, supervisor for this season. How long have you been doing this? You see, I think you mentioned you've been you've been in this game for like ten years or so. Like what got what? Let's get some background information. How did you get started? Um, like, yeah, just a little bit of background information would be pretty cool. Okay. Okay. I'll try to keep it short. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I was born and raised in Austin, Texas. So we'll start in 1975. No, but but I will say being born and raised in Austin, which everyone knows, you know, has a huge, yeah, music capital of the world. But Austin was great, and um, I graduated from high school in '94 and college '98, and I went and I went to college in Austin, and so I was there for the whole '90s music scene, and was going to shows every night, even Monday nights, and sometimes three to four shows a night, and uh, was a huge fan. And I uh, went to University of Texas at Austin. I was an art major, which kind of we hung out with a lot of musicians and that was another sort of connect to the art, to the music world. Um, but so Frank, I mean, it's really just that I was a, a huge fan of music for many, many years. And, um, and I, after I graduated, I pursued art for about 10 years. I was living in New York at the time and a few of my friends were making a movie and, um, and uh, they needed to be, they wanted to put some, I mean, for, actually, it was a Spoon song. Uh, Spoon is from Austin. I knew Britt Daniel from Spoon back back in. Is this like before Kill the Moonlight? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> that's definitely. I, let's see, in 90, I met, think I met Britt in 98, and it was um, right after, I, I, don't, I forget what yeah, album. Yeah, that's all right. Down. Anyway, so like I met Britt, I've been friends with him ever since, but my friends Mark and Jay Duplass, who are now, you know, big filmmakers, mm-hmm. I, 
um, who I knew in Austin back when I was in college, and we were all living in New York at the time, they made this film called The Puppy Chair, and they wanted to put a spoon song in, and I helped them connect with Brit and um, get that song for a dollar. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's some serious. Like, did that check come all at once, or was it broke out? <laughs> it was like every or... month he got a penny, and I yeah. think you know, they're probably still paying it out. I guess no, but um, uh, I'm gonna get you paid every day for a hundred days. For a hundred days, <laughs> it's gonna be um, monstrous. Luckily, I just you know I've been trying to pay Brick back for many many years, and I think I finally got him paid back for uh, one of my TV shows recently. Oh, and Brit did a cover for us for Fargo. Um, oh, which is secret because oh, that's not until oh. next episode. Um, when is this going to air? I can wait a week if you want, or I can cut it out. It's not that big of a deal. I mean, he does the cover at the end of episode nine, which is next week. So. It'll still be a surprise. Okay. We don't know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, that's how it got started. Like just me helping Mark and Jay out with Puppy Chair. And uh, I was still painting at the time. But then we all happened to be in L.A., it's a longer story than it's worth. And um, Mark and Jay, because of the puffy chair, got signed to William Morris. They started making new... Oh, I thought I was off this shit. Yeah, don't worry so. about it. Okay, sorry. Um, it's, it's nice to know people are looking for you. <laughs> um, but so Mark and Jay started making films in LA. They got signed to William Morris because of that movie. They, I, I had other friends and family that were in LA in the film industry. It's not an industry that I ever imagined myself getting into, but because I was, I was one of those music nerds that, um, from 1990 to 2006, when I started this, my, I was making mix. It started out with mixed yeah, tapes, tapes and then it was mixed <laughs> CDs and then it was, uh, it was mixed CDs, I think, until I started music supervision. But I, you know, it was that one in the uh, in the group of friends and a huge group of friends that was always feeding them new music and was always on the blogs and just was a big music nerd. And so, um, when my friends started making films, they started asking me for ideas, and then it sort of grew up into the career. I think there, at one point, actually, one of a, a family member of mine was like, "You know that that's a job." <laughs> that like people get paid for this and i was like no there's no fucking way people get paid to pick out music for movies and they're like yeah 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 and he he um john he took me to uh, a bookstore and like got me books on music supervision and i started reading them <laughs> and then took it from there so that's how i started so i, I had immediately for, for whatever reason just based on the time frame you're telling me you were in school i immediately i know they're not i know they're not from Austin, but it's also did you like catch like some early old ninety seven shows at least? I did, yeah. Because wait, or is Rhett is Rhett Miller from Austin? I don't know if Rhett Miller is from Austin, but when I was hanging out during that period, Rhett Miller was a was a fixture, and yeah, I I didn't know him personally, but I knew other people that yeah. did. Yeah, he, I don't know if it's I met him one. I met he I met Rhett Miller and the whole band one time because they were the opener for the Jayhawks uh, for a concert I was out putting on here in town. And a fan of the Jayhawks and of old 97. Yeah. And um, the Jayhawks had something going on um, and they, they wanted to get back to the Twin Cities uh, a little earlier. And so I had to go. It was like, hey, could you? And so I had to go to the old 97s little, when I say green room, I mean, they were hanging out. Is that a college? So, and oh. they're like hanging out in an English lit room um, <laughs> with like a meat and cheese tray and a, and a Lutheran college in Minnesota. And, uh, and I was they, just, I, 
could, I've always respected the, the, them not only because I like their music, but just that they they could have pulled it like, no, we have a contract for this. We're not going to end our set a little early. They went on a little early and ended a little early, and they're like, yeah, that's cool, man. Don't worry about it. And they were just all like super nice guys. So anytime anyone ever, yeah. I know I brought up the old 97s, but anytime I get a chance to talk about them, I just, I always, I don't know, when people are just like super nice. It's always you bring, cool. It's, no, it's just, you remember I, it. You remember it just like, because no. I've run into some assholes. <laughs> yeah, I've run into plenty of assholes and I'm the exact same way with bands. Like when I'm coming up with playlists for, for different spots on my different shows and, and movies, if it's a band I remember as being super nice or there are people who are super nice to deal with, they are on the top of my list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it pays to be nice. Yeah, it pays to be nice. And <laughs> it hurts if you're an asshole because there have been a lot of people that have been assholes to me in, in uh, my little career. So I don't go back to them. <laughs> I, I had had a couple notes, I mean, and you brought it up already. Cause I was kind of curious uh, w- with the Duplass brothers, like what your connection there was, because I'd seen all this stuff you'd worked on with them. Um, you know, the, and by the way, the, the Kings of summer soundtrack was fun. Um, oh yeah. I was, I just helped out a little bit on that one. Uh, still, it was such a fun movie. It was a fantastic mm-hmm. movie. I yeah. Like I and- full on agree. I, I, I kind of fall. I don't know, Sharpie. I guess we didn't talk about this ahead of time. Have you seen any of these movies? Like, I put some of these in our notes that Sharpie and I can see. Like, Jeff, Who Lives at Home. Uh, yep, I've seen Summer that. Summer Safety Guaranteed. Yep, I've seen that. Was, that was, I just, I like, I, I like, like, Uber kind of, I, I'll call them quirky. Is that, that fair to call them quirky? Yeah, totally. Oh, I don't, that yeah. doesn't mean they're not awesome. It just means they're. No, it's an overused word, but it's a very a little descriptive bit, yeah. word. I mean, yeah. I have to, yeah, I use that word a lot when I'm, describing yeah for whatever it's worth we also called wes anderson quirky in the podcast we recorded last night so. okay cool mm-hmm. they're in good, com- good company yeah good company um Duplass brothers i met mark and jay i i knew they both went to ut university of texas at austin and um i actually knew them like tangentially when i was going to school mark used to serve me <laughs> he was like the coffee guy at the in the front of the art building and so um I don't remember him. He said he remembers me. <laughs> and then Jay dated a friend of a friend. And so I knew who those guys were. Like, you know, just, you know, it's a big group of friends. And everyone knows everyone. And then um, actually Mark and Jay um, did a lot of movies that nobody has seen. And one of them, they put up an ad on Craigslist. They were looking for crew. And my brother, Joseph, <laughs> like, uh, got involved with them and... Um, Oh, it's a long story. Do you, yeah, it's, it's all right. If, okay. you, or if, you, if it's long, like as in, I don't want to tell you the whole story. <laughs> yeah. If it's a, it's a. Well, I just don't know if it'd be interesting to you guys. <laughs> well, so, we we like a lot of things. Okay, so Mark, so Joseph, my brother Joseph was doing production design, and when I say production design, it's a crew of like five people, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, uh, so it's Mark and Jay and Joseph and a few other Jay Doobie, who's still their editor, who's one of my closest friends, um, but uh. Mark and Jay did one movie with Joseph and Austin, and then they did some uh, movie in New Orleans that uh, Mark had just started dating Katie, Katie Azelton, yeah. um, now wife, and they were having this long distance relationship. And I think they basically uh, got this movie sort of planned out. And we're, it was a movie called The Astronaut, mm-hmm. just so mm-hmm. Mark and Katie could be together for a couple months, you oh, know? That's cool. and so, um, I mean, this is such a long time ago, probably. 14 years ago and um joseph called joseph my brother called me from the road and was like he was like driving it was joseph 
Katie, Mark, and Jay, and I think Jay Doobie driving from one city to the next to shoot this movie. And he called me, and I guess he had been in the car with Katie for like eight hours. And he was like, you've got to meet fucking Katie. She's going to be your new best friend. She's like really girly, but she talks about farts and stuff. <laughs> I was like, okay, great. I'll meet Katie, my new best friend. Where does she live? LA. And I was like, okay, I'm in Austin. That's not going to happen. He like forced us on the phone. You know when people do that, you know, yeah. talk to Katie. Um, she but then, farts and stuff. <laughs> she, she talks about farts and she's really girly. And that's how and, you get her on the league, right? Yeah. It's a it's a self fulfilling role, isn't it? It's a self of yeah. That's a whole other. <laughs> yeah, sorry. But um, no. So Katie and Mark, and then it happened to be that uh, that was the man like first major introduction to those guys and whatever. And you know, it's just one of those random calls you get from your brother and don't think about it again. And then um, Mark was in a band in Austin uh, called it was a band called uh, Volcano. I'm still excited. They signed to Polyvinyl. Uh, I went to a show of theirs at Stubbs with my brother. I met Mark and Jay for the first time. Jay, I met his now wife, Jen. She, they had just started dating. And at that concert or show, not concert, show, we were outside just drinking beers and talking. And it turned out that Mark and Jay were moving to New York at the exact same time. I had been planning to move to New York. So... I think it was 2001, 2002, we all sort of convened in New York and we were all in the same neighborhood. And um, uh, just, you know, it's one of those things where everyone says, you have to hang out with these people. And so we all started hanging out together and became fast friends. And now it's like family. And then Katie was my roommate uh, in, in New York. And so just that's awesome. Fast friends. Yeah. Yeah. That's you, you meet people like that. I mean, I, I, it, not as we don't have as much history, but Sharpie and I met each other, and uh, the the gal Sharpie was dating at the time. Uh, one time, told me she's like, I can't believe you guys just met in like the last six to eight months. She's like, I I was under the assumption you two had known each other for a decade, <laughs> and I was like, How would I know him? He was he was in like sixth grade when I was like when I was like going to college. I yeah, no. we, he was my he was my little buddy at little brothers or big brothers big whatever. Yeah, Bill's it is. my big brother. Until I could, <laughs> until I was old enough to drink, and then yeah. we became official yeah. friends. <laughs> yep. Oh, is that when it happened? Is that when that happened? You're not so really, you're not really friends until you drink together. <laughs> well, that's the case for Mark and Katie and Jen and Jay and I. I mean, we were in New York for like three years, and I mean, I was 25, 26. Katie's three years younger than I am. Mark is one year younger than I am. Jay's a little older. Jen's a little older. And we spent that three years probably partying way too much. But that is how you like become fast friends. And Isn't that what 25 yeah. is for? Yes, I believe so. We did it right. Somewhere um, around 27, most people wake up and go, what happened? Why? Why does <laughs> it, took it-, me, it took me a little longer than Oh, time. God. I, somewhere around 27, 28 is when I had a morning where I woke up and I was like, why do I feel so much worse than normal? And it yeah. turns out that. I was beginning the opening phases of, you can't drink this much. Yeah. You just can't. Doesn't happen. Doesn't Somebody work. would be like, well, that's what cocaine's for. <laughs> was... Oh, a lot of people in LA would say that. Yeah. That's a whole nother party. <laughs> okay. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Tangent. <laughs> Drugs. <laughs> Drugs. Dupas Brothers. Uh, so that's how I met the Dupas. Not associated. Not a show. No. Not Drugs. Dupas Brothers. That's how we met. <laughs> no. Mark and Jay are total squares. <laughs> oh, not complete squares, but they wouldn't be mad if I said that. Um, They'll understand. 
Okay. Yeah. yeah that'd be so cool. that's so, how I got started was helping out yeah. them. And then they were very loyal friends and brought me along to their projects. And um, it was something that I happened to really enjoy and happened to be really good at and got to expand my career because of that. For a while, I was pigeonholed as the indie girl. Like, you have $5,000 for your whole entire soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Go to Maggie. She can make magic happen. Um, it was a hard thing to be pigeonholed as. So um, it took me a little while to dig out of that, and I did. So when you're doing that, when you, when you do kind of get pigeonholed into that, how do you do your research? Are you just constantly on the internet? Are you going to shows? Um, obviously, being a part of Austin probably helped a lot. Um, yeah. How did I do the shows that were had super, super micro-low right, budget? yeah. Yeah, it was pulling some favors. It was knowing bands that were unsigned and okay. um, uh, or w- were about to break and wanted some exposure. It was also like, you know, being parts of some, it was, I, with Mark J in particular, I was able to say like, look, you're going to be a part of something that's a really cool project, you yeah. know? Yeah. And and um, some bands will be interested in that and then some bands don't really care and just want money. So sure, those sure. bands weren't included in <laughs> Um, but it, it got hard. I think it was early. It was easier for the first three or four years. And then the more I did it, the more people got sick of me calling and saying, Hey, will you give us this song for free? Okay. So fast forward. (laughs) How did you get, uh, pulled into Fargo? How did, what's that story? Uh, I actually was about to give up on music supervision because, because I had done so many indie films and, hadn't been able to break into TV or bigger budget films. And it was just hard to make a living um, doing what I was doing. And so I was like looking into my third career because my first career was painting another big breadwinner (laughs) (laughs) and then music supervision. And so, um, yeah, I was about to quit. And, um, but a friend of mine who works on um, Fargo, and and works with Noah uh, got me he was like come in for a general with Noah and I just thought Noah Holly and so I thought I was going in just for a general meeting I knew that they had other projects they were talking about and I you know just thought it was one of those meetings that you're going to shoot the shit and see if you guys you know hit it off and yeah. would, would I be lucky enough to maybe work with him at some point in the future but then um the night be- I think it was the night before I was scheduled to meet with him my friend john said you know the position's open fargo music supervisor for season two and i was like are you fucking kidding me like that it would be like the biggest thing that i could ever imagine for my career and the you know it's like an unbelievably like dream job and uh so i wish he hadn't have told me because i went into that meeting um extremely nervous and uh sure um, cause I was already such a big fan and, um, was nervous already to meet with him, but on top of it, the pressure of like, Oh, I could actually like, it's actually a possibility, you know? Um, but, uh, we hit it off, you know, like I went into the room <laughs> sure. with him and, um, uh, and we just started listening to music, talking about music, talking about Fargo season two, um, Noah has some connections to Austin. His wife is from Texas and they live there now. They live in Austin now. So we had that in common and, you know, just brilliant, awesome guy. And it was 
amazing to be able to connect with him in the room. And then I got a text, like, I think 60 seconds later that was like, you're hired for Fargo season two. Oh, jeez. <laughs> what? Yeah. So let me get this straight. I so have, I, maybe shouldn't share that, but yeah. So you went from almost leaving the business <laughs> to creating what's been called one of the best soundtracks, one of the best television soundtracks uh, in the last 10 years, which is pretty... Yeah, pretty... well, you're the first person to say in the last 10 years, but I love <laughs> I, I would say outside of some of the, the scenes and stuff, even the people I talk to, they everybody's like, the fucking soundtrack this year is is just it's yeah i saw one particular article gonna... that said it's the best soundtrack that doesn't exist and deserves a grammy i saw that one i did <laughs> see that one i was excited about that i want them to put out a soundtrack um but i you know it's not my decision uh but i knew i had that sort of music in me i just i hadn't been given the opportunity and um noah gave it to me and he also had outstanding, amazing ideas for where the music was going to be, um, mm. the direction of this season. Yeah. And so he sort of pushed me to this new uh, horizon. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> Isn't it where, incredible. Sorry. Go no, ahead, go ahead. Oh, I think that's too. That's where sometimes, you know, there's some stuff where it's just, um, you're like, oh man, that's a great song. And, it, and it's, um, it's a little bit of a, a nod, you know, not a little bit. It's a nod to the, 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 the movie and everything but then there's other times where i hear something and i'm like that is fucking bananas that is awesome why does that work and it, okay so i'm gonna just bring it up like the uh the bashimana the yeah the front, from i'm just like okay so that's my only question is like where the hell do you come up with that and and, and you're just like it's like because those tell me is there something magical that i'm missing about what how those two connect and why it works so well um no, I think it's trial and error. Oh, okay. Yeah. And and I will say, I think Noah is just like pure genius, magic, brilliance. God, I don't know if that's a song I found or he found, honestly. I delivered a huge batch of music in the beginning. Oh, you like just made him a giant mixtape. A giant, giant <laughs> mixtape. I love it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I need you to make me one. So who, <laughs> who, is, who is Yama Yama? Uh, that a friend introduced me to a couple years ago, I think. And it was one of the songs I put on Noah's and I, cause I don't even remember at this point. Like I do know like Yama Yama. I do know that was from me. The Bashi. How do you say it? I don't even know how to say it. Bashi Moana. Bashi Moana. Moana. Yeah. Moana. I don't know who, I don't know if that was Noah or, or me. I, I honestly don't remember. But so I sent him this, um, huge, like it was like 10 different playlists on Spotify and he pulled from that into uh we had this like main this uh one main playlist that we were listening to for the entire season and and he was pulling from in the editing room uh I will say that I definitely introduced him to a lot of songs as far as where the songs go that I just have to give it up to him like he he was the guy who was with the magic placement so yeah cuz i mean we Sharpie, I, I'm going to have you talk to this just a little bit because we, you know, the the UFO stuff happening this season and some of the, um, right, War of the Worlds references. Are, are you, sorry, I'll let Sharpie talk about that. Okay, yep. Um, yeah, well, there was a, um, well, Children of the Sun in the first episode was yeah, a, a, has been a major kind of theme throughout the show. Um, yeah. 
like how does that come about is that something that like did noah come to you and say i want something specifically kind of about this like weird um spacey genre or noah took okay so i had that first meeting with noah where i got hired okay the next meeting i had was with noah and jeff russo composer and noah we spent probably a couple hours like noah playing us music and a lot of it was uh reference for jeff for score Mm -hmm. but a lot of it was uh songs he had already thought about for the for the season and the two the billy thorpe song children of the sun was written in was written into uh the first script so so that was very that was very yeah it was hatched like it was and i think that's a song that a song that was very um monumental to noah growing up it was a song he says he had heard and like stopped in his tracks when he was like i don't know what how old he was but a teenager (laughs) preteen and he heard that song and was was instantly attached and blown away so that was a song that was very special to him and was we knew we had to get right away um and then eve of war by jeff wayne uh noah played me uh, that almost that entire album in that second meeting and i was like i am in for like (laughs) a a crazy crazy ride but for me super exciting because like not your typical like you know go out and find indie artists that fit within our budget like go out discover new music that no one's heard of and um and let's make something truly unique and and thoughtful and special and so i so so he played me a few that those two songs and then he we talked about different avenues that he want like different themes for the for the rest of the season and um you know some of those themes came into play but didn't you know it was it was before he even started shooting um but like we wanted the Gerhardt family to be represented he wanted me to look into like sort of folk uh children music like something like uh, very like to evoke sort of a family friendly environment for the Gerharts when they're actually in their abode, you know, their little commune. Um, it didn't really come out that way per se, but that's like, you know, we started off with that. Then I was going to look into girl punk bands for Simone's character. Cause that's, you know, when sort of when there was actual chick bands came up and like, were. um, sure doing their own thing and Simone would have been the type of person that would listen to that. And, um, I dug into prog rock, which was never a genre I was super into. And, uh, I learned a lot over, uh, I <laughs> like, I took a month. I really did. I would had the luxury at that time. I didn't have a lot of other jobs going on. So I took about a month and, um, I listened to so much music and did so much research. Um, so when you're first, um, you, you said you initially delivered just a whole bunch of songs. Uh, uh, yeah. So does that when when you're doing that, do they kind of just give you a gist of the story, or kind kind of tell you what they're they're looking for, or do you have some scripts? Do you have? Do you I have? had a, I had a few scripts, and we had okay. talk, we had talked about the characters. Like okay. I yeah. So yeah, I was given some some direction, some basic direction, some basic and a couple direction. scripts maybe. But it was shooting in the dark for a lot of it. Sure. I think that would be And, and I never difficult. worked with Noah before. So, you know, okay. I had only had those few initial meetings with him. And it was, um, I didn't, you know, I, di- I didn't know mm-hmm. his, his taste. Um, it's really interesting to me because a lot of times people might think that 
the show is produced and finished and completed and edited, and then you kind of go in and add the music and and feel what's right. But that's not the case. I mean, you're coming up with all this stuff quite a bit beforehand, quite a bit before scenes are even written, probably. Yeah, I mean, I think we had like maybe I had like four scripts when I was listening to that stuff. Um, but then it was, but I mean, I delivered before they went and started shooting. So, and then Jeff and I went to visit the set in Calgary, I think in end of February, early March. Um, he had already started writing. When we were on set, he recorded the me grinder to use in his score. Um, there was a lot of, there was a lot of preparation from both of our sides. And then once we got into the editing part of it, yeah, a lot had been already decided. I think okay. it shows very well in this show that there's a lot of careful consideration being put yeah. into the <clears throat> not only the score from Jeff, um, uh, but but all the way down to the music and how it ties into the to the show. Yeah, it's not just like a oh, I mean, because I think there are some shows that I'm just going to call bullshit on where they they're like oh, let's just put in some poppy sap love song here, and I don't think they consider those kinds of things. And I think that's the thing that I love about this kind of television that 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 we're, we've been getting for the last I don't know how many years now. I feel like it's getting to the point where it's an embarrassment of riches and I'm worried something's going to crash. I know, me too. Um, or that everyone's going to be like, everybody's flooding back to movies again. And I'm like, no, don't do that. There's too much money in those. Anyway, um, <laughs> sorry. As I, no, too much no, money. I, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. Um, but, but so here, here's a question too, uh, just to like, so, so the covers, things, things like that, um, were those decided ahead of time? So, like, I know. No, no. Um, I will say, go going back to what you just said about the music. I I will say more than almost every show I've ever worked on. The thought put behind, like, I you know, I did deliver that huge body of music, but then when we were selecting for certain episodes, the thought put into each placement was significant, and mm -hmm. and um, everything was very purposeful and um wasn't calculated mm -hmm. you kind of mm -hmm. felt when it was right but we oh, yeah. did yeah um it's the thing i love about it is it's really refreshing to see um a period i mean it's essentially a period piece it's in the 70s it, yeah. what's refreshing to me is that it's not the cle that you don't you're not hearing the cliche 70s sounds it's not like you know when you see a vietnam clip and it's, and and it's like oh cue the jimi hendrix it's not like that it's uh, it's it's 70s music and and almost all of the music uh, outside of the covers and things like that are are from the period are from pre 1979 um and but they but they're unique they're songs that you might not have heard of or they're songs that are a little bit more obscure it's not that it's just not that cliche 70s sound which is what is super yeah. nice that was very important to both of us when okay. yeah that was very important and um yeah you don't want to just give the audience what they've heard before why what's the fun in that yeah, what's yeah. The, right? and what's the point what's the point too <laughs> yeah and it, i think too the other thing i maybe have talked about that on the past season i maybe did because or at least i've had conversations with friends because i make very i made i made a lot of note uh with people about mad men's absence of music and how much i liked that for that show mm -hmm. you know and i think there's I th I, th I think this to me is like these are the two ends of the the spectrum for me is like really awesome music placed throughout the show that just yeah it just feels right like and on the other end it's the middle that concerns because I like Mad Men's lack of music sometimes uh -huh. just because I really personally as a, a fan I don't know how you feel about Mad Men but um 
I'm a fan. <laughs> I, I just, I love the fact that it's the, the, the writing was so good that you don't, I like that they didn't have to score it so much because they didn't have to tell me how to feel because to me it was just written so well that you just, you knew, yeah. you actually, I'm, hey, I'm there. I get it. And yeah. no, um, I, I agree. think Breaking Bad I- is very similar in that too. They're, that they have Vince Gilligan put a really low, like they have such, this times they play music is awesome. And then somewhere under that, even just thinking about those two twins that come. Uh, have you, well, I yeah. think it's, they use it, it. They're super economical and efficient. And so when mm-hmm. something does come up, it's very uh, moving and deliberate. And, yeah. and um, yeah, I mean, I work on other shows. I won't mention that it's wall-to-wall songs and or mm-hmm. wall-to-wall score. And mm-hmm. uh, there's nothing sort of... Um, there's no purpose behind it, so. Uh, <laughs> well, sorry. I guess to, to to use a Radiohead song title, every <sighs> everything in its right place. Yeah, <laughs> I would say, but I feel like I mean I feel like Fargo, at least the season I worked on. I mean I know we have you know some big songs throughout, but I still feel like it was a you know I still feel like it was a pretty economical and efficient way of using film using music. Like there, it's not a. Certainly not wall to wall. Oh no, not at all. In any way, I just and, feel like uh, I notice a lot because I like it so much. Well, and I think I think that's intentional too. It's a period piece. Of, well, Mad Men is too, but um, God, I just feel like we had some cool moments that it was like impossible not to. <laughs> to yeah. Stop. So when you come, so how does that work? I would love to hear a little bit of behind. So you're you're like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna do a cover of Let's Find Each Other Tonight. How, how oh. does how does one reach out to Jeff Tweedy? <laughs> <laughs> that was um that came up. I got a text from Noah. I don't know. He says random texts. Uh, many more, <laughs> many more to Jeff. But I would get a few throughout the season, and one of them was like, "Hey, what about Blitz and Trapper doing a cover of Man of Constantara, like a '70s version of Man of Constantara?" And I was like, "Fucking awesome! Let's do it!" You know. <laughs> And I reached out and made that happen. And, um, you know, it's a little more complicated than that because we have ownership rights and money involved. And, um, yeah, you know, that was a pain, but a worthwhile pain. And um, what we got from them, what they delivered back was so awesome that we uh, were like, hey, we should keep doing this. I mean, that's how simple it was, you know, like we got one done and we're like, this is. So you give them, you don't, you guys don't, you don't necessarily show up and be like, what we're looking for is, or you, no. you, you don't, you just like, I want you to do a cover of this. It was different for each band. Um, I think, I forget, I think Noah got on the phone with the guy from Blitz and Trevor, but I'm not sure and gave him some creative notes. I know that Noah got on the phone with Jeff Tweedy for uh, Let's Find Each Other Tonight. I think it was more that no, I just wanted to talk to Jeff Tweedy because he was such a big fan. I'm, uh, it's like one of my favorite bands. So the minute I heard Jeff's voice, I was like, I was like, I, t- I, I like kind of Taylor Swifted the moment while I was watching TV. I was like, oh my god, it's Jeff. No, 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 no. I am me too. Like the idea that like it was just even reaching out to his manager to say, hey, would he be interested in this? Was an exciting moment for me. So, but Jeff Tweedy happened to be a fan of the show, and so it got. Um, it was we were able to make it happen. We <laughs> Noah thought and I agreed that we should try to get Jeff Tweedy to do a cover of the Eagles song. Um 
peaceful easy feeling from big lebowski and like isn't there a moment in the song where like oh this i fucking hate the eagles the dude yeah he kicks him he says anything but the fucking eagles and then they kick him out and then he gets kicked (laughs) lebowski gets kicked out of the cab okay yeah well we noah's idea was like let's have deaf tweety do it make that song good you know and if anyone can make that song good (laughs) tweety can and so um at least let them have a crack at it at least have, yeah but like but i we reached out about that idea and his manager came back and was like no <laughs> i don't think I, no it's just not a fan of that song as funny as it would be i can't yeah. see that one happening either and so i think we had another song we wanted him to do but then i mean to a lot of the bands actually we were like hey what do you want to do like go look at the Cohen brothers films and their soundtracks and and um come back with your ideas and he came back with that idea. And I hadn't even thought about it because it's something that was in the body of the film. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, um, mm-hmm. I don't know if it was on the soundtrack, but um, yeah. So that I, don't was think, I don't think it was on the soundtrack. They didn't put that on the soundtrack? Oh, now you guys, well, keep going. I'll he look perf- it up. Uh, Jose performed it live for the movie. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if it was on the soundtrack, but, um, you know, some of that is just like rights and shit. Like they can't figure it sure. out. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, we. But as soon as he said, "Let's do that," we were like, "Fuck yeah!" <laughs> like Jeff Tweedy. I mean, it was just like it was a dream to be able to have him do a cover song. For yeah, this it's season. gotta feel surreal a little bit. It, it yeah. would be in my ultimate like geek out moment. Yeah, there were a lot of geek out moments throughout this this season for me. We reached out to a lot of. We had a lot of ideas. Um, it was hard. Bands have schedules and tours, and also. They have people behind them that are asking for more money than we were sure. able to give. And, um, mm. you know, so there was limitations that way, but we ended up getting a lot of a fantastic artists to do it. Jeff Tweedy, Blitz and Trapper. I did already spill that Britt Daniel from Spoon is going to be doing the end cover at episode nine. I don't know. I can say that right now. I feel like it's sure. only a few days away. Yeah. Um, and so he's an old friend of mine. And I, you know, was like, no, how about Britt from Spoon? Of course. No, I was a big fan, and so. so. How did um down in the Willow Garden come about? Oh, um, because this is a uh for those that don't know this uh let's see this was episode four episode four. four um episode four which was fear and trembling and this down in the Willow Garden is an old old tune chieftain's bonnie bear thing. um but this but but, but well but, the new yeah but oh. Holly it's an old um they call it a murder ballad. Appalachian murder ballad. It's a folks old folk song. It's public domain. I mean, it's written over a hundred years ago. Right. And Holly Hunter sings it in um, "Raising Arizona." That's Raising oh, Arizona. That is it. How and, I can't believe I just that. got that now. <laughs> yeah, and so God um, damn it. And that was Noah's idea. And I and you you can't even find a recording of her singing it. I mean, I'm sure I'm not very tech savvy. I'm sure someone could find a recording of her singing it without having to watch raising arizona but um so she sings it in the movie and um we wanted someone to do a cover of it um and uh there's a story here i see it (laughs) (laughs) we had two artists do a cover of it frankly actually i think and neither one of them kind of did the version we wanted God, I hope I'm remembering correctly, but I do think we had to demo it. And I mean, I think the reason no one did what we wanted is because we wanted Bonavera's version. Um, 
and we were trying, I mean, we have a budget, you know, that was the reality. And, um, we were trying to cut corners and then finally we're just like, we need not, nothing's going to beat what is in our head. And that happens a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, the, these artists were both great and fantastic and I love their versions, but it wasn't what we wanted because we had had that intense for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so we ended up just licensing it. And I was like a little weird about like, well, all our Cohen covers are stuff we created and this is a pre-existing thing. Is that weird? And whatever. No one's really going to think about that. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Um, I had already, I'm going to bring this up just because I had emailed it to you. Um, because oh. I, speaking of voices that I recognized, I I didn't recognize, I didn't know that it was Shaky Graves until I saw something later, but I immediately was like, I knew that was Monica Martin's voice from the band Fox. That's P-H-O-X. Yeah. And, um, cause was that, did he record with her? Because yeah. they Were they, because they, weren't they touring together for a while or they crossed paths because, is I, I don't know. I mean, that story is a funny story too, because like we had, what is uh, Alejandro? Is that his, I think he go. He that's has, his like, yeah, his birth name is like Alejandro yeah. or something like that. And so uh, he's another Austin band. Um, Oh yeah, he is. Isn't he? Yeah, so Sorry, I'm googling real fast. Yeah, since I'm from Austin and Noah lives there now, we both kind of, you know, knew the Austin scene and that those we wanted good artists there, but we also were kind of interested in the Austin bands. And um, we reached out to Shaky Graves, and I think we asked him. We asked him to do a different song than that, and he got into the studio and recorded that. And and we didn't even Monica wasn't even part of it like i guess he just happened to be with her that night or like pulled her in and Mm -hmm. so not only did we get uh, a different song than we thought he was going to do but a different song with a a different vocalist but i mean Hmm. you know brilliant like it was it's it's absolutely stunning so have you have you checked out her band yes since then i have but i I didn't know fox oh yeah oh Um, they sorry i'll I'll give my nerd moment about them so they they opened they opened for, they got asked to open for the Lumineers for the, at the iTunes festival, you know, in oh. London. And, um, I just happened to be deciding to watch some iTunes festival stuff. And I was like, PHOX. I was like, really? Fox <laughs> with the P like, fa- like fat, pretty hot and tempting kind of feeling. I don't know the story behind their name, I don't but know I watched them and they were just, they were fucking fantastic. I, I mean, I immediately like the next day, like Googled some stuff and it was like somebody had already ripped the iTunes thing and put it out on YouTube. Oh, and, I really? was like, and I was like, I don't know if these guys have a record that sounds like this yet, but I'm just going to, so I copied that. Cause I was like, what if they never put this out? But did now, they put it out? I don't even know. Yeah. You can actually buy it on iTunes. So I did eventually go pay for the iTunes version of their live set. Good. Anyway. Good um, job, Bill. And now they've, and now they've got an actual record up. But so I, I find out that they're from Madison and, um, my friend Josh oh. Hardy is from Madison, and he's kind of a, a uh, Americana musician he, uh-huh. in that that vein of like he, I don't know whether to call it country or or about. folk yeah. or whatever. But in he, you know, I I always admire my friend Josh because Josh just keeps going. You know, I don't. Josh isn't huge. He's not. But I mean, he goes and spends a ton of time in like England and Ireland and Europe playing all the time, and he has, I mean, successful tours through there and. I was like, so this, you know, and so Josh used to be kind of a fixture in the Madison, uh, Wisconsin scene uh-huh. for a while. So I was like, hey, have you heard of this band Fox? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, like Monica, that's Monica's band. I buy my coffee from her in the morning. <laughs> and I was just like, and I mean, or he used to, you know, what I mean, like, yeah, 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 yeah. 
And I was just like, why? And he, he's like, why? What, how, why are you talking to me about a Madison band? And uh, I was like, because I, I just watched her open for the Lumineers at, at the iTunes Festival. And he was just like, fuck what? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. But if you have a chance to see Fox Live, Fox Live? Uh, I, I would recommend Fox it. Live? I feel Fox like Live. Yeah. But she has, I don't, know, I don't know how to describe the quality of her voice. Um, she's not like an over singer. I'm using hand gestures. Sorry. No one else can see this except for I Sharpie and Maggie. I, and it looks like I'm shooting a basket, but uh, she has this like oh, a quality to, her, to the tone of her voice that it's a little breathy too. So if you ever check out like her audio tree sessions they've done, you can really hear it in those. And lately outside of a certain thing, I just, there's like a lot of female voices that I really, really love hearing because I think they're, they sound so much better to me. And, um, <laughs> But anyway, Monica Martin, and so when they came here to Fargo, I brought a couple friends to see their show, and after the show, I said, hey, my friend Josh told me to say hey, and she's like, holy crap, so I ended up sitting down and having a couple cocktails with her and a friend, and... Oh, really? And and this was before... This is before Fargo thing. Yeah. But I mean, I was like, so I had to do the whole, like, can you explain how the fuck you get onto the iTunes thing? And she's like, oh, God, that's a story. You know, they had done something where they filled in and... For somebody at like a Lollapalooza Chicago date and somebody, they got no, I mean, it was one of those right place, right time. And my guess yeah. is like we mentioned earlier, I don't know if we were actually rolling tape earlier when it's like, don't be an asshole and things might yeah, turn turn out for you. You know, it turns out being nice is, is, is pretty helpful. So anyway. Nice and, and eager and enthusiastic and feeling yeah. grateful and lucky for the chances that get thrown at you. So yes, um, that's my, that's so, sorry. Yeah. That was my tangent. No, and I think the probably the same thing happened with this uh, Shaggy Graves cover because we didn't commission her to do it, you know. <laughs> they they were touring together. I just I looked it up. They were okay, so that were, must have been. But yeah, they so, were sharing some dates. Uh, Alejandro, I, I I hope I'm saying. I think he goes actually. It's, he's got a hyphenated last name. Oh, but so so he sent it to his manager, and his manager afforded me. He's like, "Hey, so I know this isn't the song we talked about, and um, he brought in a guest vocalist, but you know, let me know what you think." And it was stunning, and um, afforded yeah, it really to know what, yeah, and we were both like, "Fucking a, let's do it, yeah." yeah. Alejandro so. Rose Garcia. Rose Garcia. Okay. Okay, so here's a good question for you, Maggie. Um, uh-huh. We we've talked about your job. We've mm-hmm. talked about where you're from. We've talked about all the work you've done with Fargo and how much we dig it. Um, mm-hmm. Here's a question: Let's. I want to know. You're. You're. Gonna, Maggie is going to make Bill a mixtape. What's what? And that. And I'm not talking like what's for work. I'm not talking about your because you already told us that you listened to Audible. Oh shit! By the way, we need to do that too. We can't forget. Let's okay. actually let's talk about that. Number Audible. one, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do really quick sponsor, sponsor reads. I'm gonna do a sponsor break really fast me, here. And let me find my phone so I can look at my books I'm reading. Yeah, do that. So, okay. so we have to thank uh, FargoBrewing.com, uh, what, which is not their name. It's Fargo Brewing. <laughs> it's <laughs> I'm Fargo just so Brewing. excited right now. <laughs> Fargo Brewing <laughs> has come in to sponsor the show for our second year in a row. We can't thank them enough. And I'm currently drinking after after a night away. I apologize for last night's podcast. I was drinking Jameson. And uh, the whole night, and uh, I am back to my wonderful, wonderful wood chip, wood chipper, and uh, I can't. I, I love it's a it's a classic American IPA that showcases an aroma of bold hop flavor and all that jazz. But uh, wood chipper was awesome. Fargo Brewing Company's very first beer. It was. So if you want to help us out and sh- let them know, we we love it when we can show them spikes in their web traffic based on what we do. So visit FargoBrewing.com, and if you're local, uh 
find out, visit the website, find out where they are, where they're distributed all over the Midwest and go and buy their beer. And if they don't have it, uh, just request it. And if they say they don't have it, say, well, I think you're fucking dumb. And then <laughs> tell them to order it. So second to that, we uh, have, have an affiliate thing set up with Amazon. So Amazon, well, Amazon owns Audible. Go to <laughs> audibletrial.com slash Fargo Talks Fargo and you can sign up for a free 30-day trial. Um, you can cancel at any time. And when you sign up, you get a credit for a book. Mm-hmm. That you can listen to, hands free. It's amazing. It's hands free. <laughs> it's hands Maybe free. that's how they should start marketing their books. Hey, they're hands free. <laughs> Audible books are they're hands free. You I'm don't... trying to find my phone. I can't find it. Hands free. Oh shit! Did I just ruin your promo? No, no, no. This no. is great. Okay. We, we're we're gonna let because Maggie ha- is a self self uh, admitting uh, gold Audible member, and I mean, and Sharpie and I have talked about this all mm-hmm. season, Maggie, that we actually. Before this, we have our own. We do this too. We, I'm, I'm a. I think, I, shit, I do think I'm in a gold one. And what's funny is Sharpie and I don't talk about the books we're going to recommend. Oh. And I would venture to say more than half the time we recommend a book before one of us is finished. Because here's what happens when Sharpie recommends a book: I start typing in and looking it up while he's telling me what he's going to recommend because we don't talk about it ahead of time. Uh-huh. And by the time he's done, I'm like, "Fuck, that looks good." And I've now added it to the cart and I bought it, even if I'm out of. <laughs> credits <laughs> <laughs> well that's the thing i'm a gold member and that's what three credits a month and then i always do the sort of it's 3471 to get three more credits. yes yeah right <laughs> and i think i do that pretty much every month but it's because they're like, great they're, it's you, great and like it's a book said, of credit man you can't beat that mm-hmm. yeah um i will I'm so what do you got what do you, you got a recommendation i mean are you are you a non-fiction of fiction do you like to mix them up i am totally Oh, by the way, Jeff Russo just sent me new music for Noah's new show. I just got it. Oh, we got a scoop. Sorry, <laughs> can't share. No, um, <laughs> it's okay. If people go back and listen to our interview with Jeff last year before they had announced that Fargo season two was happening, Jeff made a very minor comment. Just, oh, then I got to go and work on something for another show up north. <laughs> I don't think barely anyone got it. Really? I don't. Well, like I said, we have tens of listeners. Well, people know, people know Noah is doing a new show, so that's no that's no scoop. Um, so Audible, also tell us more about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, no, tell us tell us what, what's your Audible pick? Like what what's uh, what's the I best am, book like, you've had? Full on psycho thriller murder. Oh, um, mm. the bleaker, the darker, the better. And I'm particularly fond of like British, Irish, <laughs> Norwegian. Um, there has to be rain. <laughs> I just like it to be fucking dark, man. Yeah. But um, let's see. I'm like a, I'm a sucker for anything that's thriller. But but lately, I have I've been listening to a book called The Interestings by Meg Wool. I can't say her name. See, this is why I need my phone so I can read it. It's Meg so Wolitzer. Yes, really good. So uh, um, written by Meg Wolitzer, narrated by Jen Tullock. It's 15 hours and 41 minutes. Tell us some more, Ma- Maggie. Uh, do you want me to tell you what it's about? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Don't spoil it, but um, give, us, give us the rundown. It's about a group of friends who met at a summer camp for the arts in um, in the 70s, I think in 75. And that was the year I was born, right before Nixon was um, ousted. Yep. <laughs> Bye, guys. No, I was uh, like, not a crook. Not a crook. Oh, back to the Fargo. That would be <laughs> a good Fargo segue. Yep. Okay. <laughs> um. 
and um they it was i they ironically titled their friend group the interestings and it's um but it's basically just about a group of friends who um spanning over i think it's 20 i i'm only halfway through so i don't know how years. far it goes yeah oh it's 15 years you're reading that <laughs> well i'm just <laughs> um, keeping you on track uh, here maggie <laughs> and they're <laughs> thanks dude but uh i think it's yeah, it's, it's a character study. It's too. It's told from mainly the perspective of this one woman who is sort of feels like an outsider to the group, and this is not a good review. Well, well, here's the deal. You, here's you. You got to go sign up for it, or if you're already a member, go check it out. It's called the Interestings. I mean, it's got a, over sixteen hundred ratings, so it's really well written, and the narration is good, and the storyline is really good, and it's and and. It's there's a lot of music in it, which is fun for me, and Ooh. um, yeah, because it's the '70s and the '80s, yeah. and then we go, and then there's this character Ethan Figman, I think is his name, which I think is ugh, fuck. I'm I'm not gonna be ever be a book reviewer, um, <laughs> but I recommend it. But you will give All it right. a fucking killer soundtrack, I bet. Yes, I would, <laughs> and in fact, they're making a TV show about it, which is why I started oh, reading no it. Way. I was oh like, got no picked, way! Got That's awesome. Up. That's fantastic. Yes. Um, so okay, so before that, before I decided to take a sponsor break, um, I, I wanted like I to. Really hey, I really, I just, uh, <laughs> I wanted, I want, I really just good. want a mixtape from you. Is all I want. Oh yeah, you really putting her on the spot twice in a row. Bill. I am. I, well, I wanted. I just, uh, that, I just want to say. Well, I mean, she. So that's the deal. It's one of those things, though. I mean, you you work in a certain industry. I mean, you're the same sharpie, and so am I. It's like at some point, you 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 can max out your capacity, and sometimes you kind of find safe harbor and something that you wouldn't necessarily use anywhere. And you're just like, I'm kind of like, for me, I, I used, I grew up in a really serious, like folk acoustic scene and I play, I play guitar and do these things. And people are always amazed to find out that I listen to a lot of like Fantagram and stuff like that. And they're like, but I thought you were like the folk guy. And I'm like, I do that all the time. Sometimes I just want to listen to big boy and Fantagram <laughs> and big grams and just jam or listen no, to yeah. Run the Jewels, or <laughs> you know, or, or or like I said, or I want to listen to Fox and just dynamically listen to Monica Martin's voice that I think is angelic, and I hope it's one of the last things I hear before I die. No big beautiful, deal. Beautiful, beautiful voice. No, I mean that's why I look, listen to books on tape because I listen to about eight to ten hours of music a day, and it's oh, how does that how does that take a toll on you though? I mean, does that I don't think it ruins music probably for you, but it's just like it's got to be taxing. It's taxing. Um, it's taxing. You know what's for me the most taxing part is like new music. Like I get so sick of hearing new music, you know? And I think that's why Fargo was so much fun because I got to go back and like discover uh, Third Beer. Yeah. I just saw it. Sorry. I for, saw whatever it's, opening for, for whatever yeah. it's worth, Maggie, this is a slow night. <laughs> oh, good. He's um, being a good boy. Okay. I'm glad I inspired her. um but uh yeah fargo i got to go back and rediscover music and then also discover music i had never heard before and you know it's harder when you get older and you are hearing music that's completely derivative of music that you grew up listening to (laughs) yeah yeah. and even if it's good it's still derivative and you'd rather go back and listen to the real thing um but uh uh yeah so the hardest thing is just and plus there's just so much music there's so much yes. music and it's it's um it's overwhelming and so 
I'm not going to complain that I get to listen too much to too much music because high school Maggie would be like, um, shut the fuck up. You yeah. have a dream job. Your job yeah. is music. <laughs> but it does sometimes get overwhelming. And sometimes um, I just want to shut it down. And my ear, I say my ears start hurting. You know, like it's, you can't, mm-hmm. you can't be um, discerning when you've heard that much. I, I did. I just went away. So for Fargo, I had about a month to listen and research for Fargo season two and, and listen to what Noah wanted, you know, it sent me in these directions. And, um, this new show that I'm doing with him, uh, I wanted to start listening for, and I don't have the luxury of that time. And I went away to a cabin for about five days and got to just listen only for this show. And it was a huge treat. And that's when I get reminded of why I love this job and continue to do it. And, um. Yeah, it's fun. Do you, I don't know what your question was. No, it's okay. Do you, do you play any interest in instruments no. yourself? Okay. No, I'm not. I'm not musically inclined, and actually, not even in high school or junior high or anything no, like that. No, no. I used to be embarrassed about it and didn't want to admit it to people. Like you know, but I will say, um, I think it's actually to my benefit and um to the benefit of the people I work with because um. I'm not hypercritical of music. I listen to music and I have a true audience reaction to mm-hmm. what I hear. I have an emotional reaction to to what I'm listening to as opposed to I was instead I'm judging them based on their of, like musical yeah. abilities and stuff like that. Yes, exactly. Which there are music supervisors who are you know who used to be musicians. I work with I, one of my coordinators used to be a musician. He's a little snobby. <laughs> um, rightfully so. But I went to school for art. I'm a, trained as a painter. When I go into a museum or a gallery, I'm hypercritical of what I see. And because of that, you know, like if I were to curate a, a show, perhaps it wouldn't be the most evocative show because it would be, it would be tampered by what I think is critically, or well, not critically, I'm sorry, like technically well done. Oh, yeah, right. yeah. And, uh, and so for music, I, I, that doesn't come into play. And I think it's, you know, and I also think because I was trained in the visual arts and, um, also just a fan of music while those two were coming up, like to be able to put those two together is, is, um, is fun. And it's, um, yeah, there's not that sort of inner critic that gets in the way when I listen to music. Okay, so playing, playing uh, awkward. What is what? What was on the mixtape for um, freshman year of college, nineteen ninety four? Maggie's playlist. I, I, that's where I want to know because I think that's the interesting shift for some people. Is once you, when you get out of the house and you you do it like what? Like when you went to college and you t- you know because you you move in and you're like oh, let's let's see what these other people are listening to. What what no, was, was what was the, what was the hot ticket for you then? <laughs> I will say that I was like, and don't I feel was, bad because I have this weird feeling. I'll be like, oh god, I listen to that too all the time. No, I was kind of the cool kid. I would say like I, I was in high school. I was the person that was kind of forward thinking. So when I went into college, I was bringing those other guys out who were, um, I mean, not to toot my own horn, but like I had, I had sort of stepped out of the box in high school. Mm-hmm. So when I went to college and I actually went to college in St. Louis, I went to one year at fresh, I was a freshman at Washington university in St. Louis. Sure. 
so I sort of introduced my friends to music I had been listening to and had been introduced. I mean, Austin's a progressive music city. Like the the friends I had in high school were also musicians, and I got introduced to music that I think most people in ninety two, ninety three, ninety four weren't aware of. Sure. And um, so then in college, I think I introduced people to that. That being said. Okay, so who were those people? Who were those uh, bands? I would, you know what? I say all that, and it was fucking like everyone still. <laughs> it's not even that. Who not, cares? Who cares? I just still think I love because I mean, like, if I told you what my hot. Okay, like I was listening in in ninety three, ninety four, ninety. Okay, I was listening <laughs> to a lot of hip hop, rap. Yes. Like I was kind of a Wu Tang like girl. I just I oh yes. I remember telling my parents when I was like 16, like there was an experiment that someone wanted. Oh God, I can't actually, I shouldn't say this. Um, this is too embarrassing. Do you want but, me to tell you oh, that Sharpie that has one of the good. largest bone thugs and harmony libraries I've ever seen in my life? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I actually said, I, I accused him that I was going to come out with that tonight. And I just, I finally decided to, Hey, don't I am I, the world's biggest. I'm a, I'm a dyed in the wool uh, De La Soul fan from way back in the I'm day. A huge De La, okay, yeah, De La Soul, like De La Soul's dead, and Jennifer, Jennifer taught me like that song. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like Black that Sheep. Was, did you ever listen to Black Sheep? Yeah, I did. I wasn't as into Black Sheep as De La Soul, and then I was like into like, do you remember Brand Ubian? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like Brand Pooba. Oh, that makes me want to. Okay, because I guarantee you, we're I like probably how both in, of you are looking embarrassed to even like. <laughs> we're not embarrassed. We're. Film. I think we're both having a flashback. At least for me, I'm flashing back to being in my parents' basement watching. This is. I mean, <laughs> this sounds like the thing people our age probably say, Maggie. I remember when MTV played music. Yes. Yes. And this is the kind of shit you would listen to, and you would be like. Boom! Yo, MTV raps is on, and you're, yeah. I mean, for me, I'm a like uber Irish Catholic white kid yes. in the fucking I- middle Irish of the country. Catholic. Yeah, well, I'm Irish Catholic, and also going to a fucking all white private school, <laughs> and like I like got to be friends with the public school kids uh, on the other side of town, and they introduced me to to rap hip hop, and I was blown away, and I wanted to like. <laughs> <laughs> just distinguish my whole my whole upbringing um but yeah so i i listened to all that shit and um but it's probably pretty common that most girls my age did that i just love um, that kind of stuff though i think that's i think that's the interesting (laughs) that's the interesting thing though is like i mean like probably people like you are a little bit like me and don't get me wrong my musical career has nothing i can't even come close to touching yours Uh, i would be like icarus a little too close to the sun i'd melt crash (laughs) <laughs> but I mean, like when I was, I had such a weird arc, like around seventh, eighth grade, I had moved from like Guns and Roses to being really into like the Misfits and Suicidal Tendencies. Yeah. And my mom was like, and I, I kept the t-shirt. I still have it. It's in a closet. It's a huge pentagram with a goat head in it that says possessed. And on the back is the Suicidal Tendencies logo. And I was skateboarding a lot then. And then and somehow by the time, so here, here's the, here, you know, the embarrassing admission or not embarrassing, just the. How do you get there? I, I go from like Guns N' Roses. Well, I also bought um, George Michael's album on vinyl the same day that I bought Master of Puppets. 
I That's a great album. You know, and fucking GNR, I saw them, their Appetite for Destruction tour. I saw that. It no, was amazing. Oh, that and then awesome. I saw, like, no, my 90s. Wait, like, how, did saw, an, how did a Catholic prep school girl get to that concert? Uh, boyfriends. Oh, God. <laughs> no, I got introduced. You know, I just fell in love with it. I fell in love with. Um, that was 1988, right? When that record came out? No, it was later because I went to that concert, Appetite for Destruction. Well, the tour. You're the, thinking the, of ap- Use Your Illusion, probably. No, uh, 1988. The, the tour was 93, oh, I believe, is when uh, I was there. Wikipedia. And I got to Wikipedia. See the- <laughs> <laughs> Released July 21st, 1987. Beastie Boys opening up for um, Soundgarden, one of my highlights. Uh, uh, Elliot Smith back in the early 90s at oh. Liberty Lunch. Um, I just read a really sad article about Elliot Smith. Oh, really? Are there happy articles about Elliot? <laughs> That's a uh, point taken. Okay. <laughs> point. Let me. I just licked my finger and chalked one up for Maggie. <laughs> that's um, true. That's true. It's no, just I don't know. It's just that's always such a sad story. So, like, quick music history. I when I was a dork and before people introduced me to good music, it was like New Kids on the Block and KOTB. And K- yes. <laughs> My friend Brandy Shaw had the sheets that I was jealous of. Joey McIntyre was my favorite because he was cute, you know. Uh, he was so, the baby and then, face. <laughs> what? He was the baby-faced individual. Yes. Well, I was in seventh grade, so yeah, <laughs> he was the most similar to me. But yeah. um, <laughs> and then I had like Madonna, and I was just listening to all that shit. And then I started getting introduced to new music at fifteen, sixteen, and um, as soon as I got inter- it was it's been a love forever because as soon as i started getting introduced to good music i was so hungry for it and that's what drove my high school years my college years just uh listening to whatever i could and that's back when you couldn't get online and listen to music mm-hmm. like you had to or get buy it free or get it free fuck that i do yeah. not encourage that i still buy all my music well no when i say free you i mean like you can't go to music land or you, sam goody no, yeah, or tower records or, and, yeah, and yeah. Listen to the but i mean stuff. you couldn't you couldn't th- there was only so much music you could hear on the radio then or mm-hmm. even even on mtv as groundbreaking as mtv was you could only hear so much you know no. and 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 so to to hear other stuff yeah it was literally i mean don't get me wrong everybody bought the two tape deck thing so you could dub them and make that's how I, else I you make that. the mixtapes. Yeah. Um. I had a friend, uh, Brett, who's probably gonna listen to this. He, I believe he used to tape the Casey Kasem like top forty countdown and kept like a running catalog mm-hmm. in a in like a spiral notebook. So Brett, sorry about that. Big fucking Hi, nerd. Brett. <laughs> no, I listen to Casey Kasem. Um. I I I'm recorded Casey from. <laughs> yeah, I recorded from the radio on, and I had one of those dual tape things. That's how I started making mixes. It, sure. it was red. Um. But yeah, I mean, finding music was was challenging, and to and I will say it, it was peop it was other people. It wasn't radio shows. It wasn't MTV. It was other people that um, yeah, yeah. had done the work before me that introduced it, it to me, and then um, and then sort of awoke that bug, and it has been there ever since. So we're way friend, we're way uh, off Fargo, by the way. Yeah, we're <laughs> way off Fargo. Sorry, it's fine. I had a friend who had a, a website called Yahtzee, and I don't know if you guys remember that, but it was around the same yeah, time I remember as Pitchfork was coming out. It was like Pitchfork and Yahtzee both, both came out at the same time, and his and Yahtzee was super successful, so he'd get like hundreds of tapes a month for of new music from bands that just wanted to be on the site. This was like early 90s, or may, may, probably mid-90s, 
Um, and he just he got so much music and and he got introduced to so much so many artists at that time and i was just like overwhelmed by his success but then he just like it was sort of a hobby and he didn't really keep it up and pitchfork was doing the exact same thing at the same time they were both like right in line with each other and then he just couldn't keep up with it i guess uh and then pitchfork is what it is now which is like a great resource for music and i've I'm, i've always like talked to him like Man, if you could do, if you would have just kept that up, like look at Pitchfork now, it's it's amazing. But mm. he still he still does some uh, stuff every once in a while. Yeah, I remember yeah. Yatin. I was so hey, this was my random question on on that same topic. So you're you're uh, you're you're a young NKOTB fan. What? Uh, <laughs> and I don't I don't think it has to be a singular instance that changes your life. But I mean, there are certain things that I remember thinking, oh, that was badass. I remember seeing that happen. Or listening to that, or seeing somebody like on Saturday Night Live or something. Was there like, do you have like a pivotal thing like that? Like the other day, somebody I I had just randomly remembered um, the first time I saw Living Color on Saturday Night Live play Cult of Personality, mm-hmm. and it yeah. was just like I I got to get in the fucking car tomorrow and go buy this tape. Oh wait, I can't. It's Sunday in Fargo, North Dakota, because it was on set, and you can't shop back then. There was no Sunday opening because you got to no. be in church. Because yeah, that's God's day, uh, which is um, technically Saturday. But <laughs> Jeff Russo's messaging me. There's no way he could join this call, is there? <laughs> he totally could. Because yeah, how he's do you good. add? How do you add someone? Did you? Would you tell him I'm adding him? Because he's in my contacts list still. I, I just think. said, do you want to join? And he said, how? <laughs> yeah, we could. I think he's him. just We're under Jeff. Let me. I'm adding the only Jeff I have. Oh wait, no wait. That's let me. Tell him I'm adding so if <laughs> this him. is somebody other Jeff That's I know. Him. I saw that. <laughs> oh god, this is going to turn into such a crazy long episode, but okay, so welcome to Fargo Talks Fargo, Jeff. Again. Do we clap? Or do we, okay, or do we are we officially adding you to the podcast tonight? Sure, I can stay on for a little bit. Yeah. Cool. Well. Okay. Let's make it official. Let's talk about the music of Fargo season 2, yeah. Jeff Russo. Um, just or we it. can or we can talk about Fargo, the actual city. We can tell you all sorts can, of shit about yeah, that. Yeah, what do you want to know? <laughs> I, I think, you know, it's funny. I'm pretty sure, um, I'm pretty sure I'm going to look on my calendar right now. <laughs> let, let, me, let me just, hold on. I can okay. tell you. Wow. So apparently, and I just found this out, but apparently on February 4th, my band, Tonic, yeah. um, we have a show in Sioux Falls. No way! Shut up. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's which I think is hilarious since our show is the massacre at Sioux Falls. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Um, I'll go. Sioux Falls. Sioux Falls. Yeah, let's go. Where, is, go. where is Sioux Falls? I don't. So even if you from where hours. I am, if you drive straight south, three three and a half hours. Three three and a half hours. Is that a tonic tour? Is there like a special? Just a one-off date. Yeah. Thing. Show. That's the only where, reason why I where, where at? I, I, you know, I know that. That's as much as I know. That's probably yeah. a stopover. I don't know. Somewhere, somewhere in Sioux Falls. I'm hoping that I don't die. I'll, I'll go. I'll <laughs> go only if you play. I'll go only if you play waltz with me. Uh, we won't play that song. Fuck it. I'm not going to this <laughs> show. <laughs> this is bullshit. I'm. I'm shutting this whole Skype conversation down. Why won't you play that song? I don't know what song that is. Why well, it's a song from our second record. We we never play it. We just never. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I went. We could play. I it. went. I I went for the obscure. Like, not, not obscure is not the right word. Just the yeah. 
No, you definitely went. You definitely went totally deep track. That's for sure. Yeah, well, well we can all meet. Yeah. We can all meet in Sioux Falls over a paper boat of Chislick. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds That's, disgusting. That sounds vaguely naughty. It's no. We talked about it in the last episode of our podcast. It's um. It's it's cubed meat that is marinated and deep fried to medium medium rare. I have a pro- I have a problem with the words cubed and meat. No, not I'm sorry, not like cube sentence. steak. You know what cube steak is, though, right? Yeah. Okay, it's not like that. Literally, it's just it's. I, I kind of joked with Sharpie last night. I was like, Chislick originated in the Sioux Falls area, but right. I'm like, they basically just took the skewer out of souvlaki, is what I'm. I guess I would say it's it's a. Well, Maggie's from Texas, so it's a it's a it's like a it's like a boat of beef tips, dead cow. Oh, cool. I know what that yeah. is. Yeah. I just saw Jeff yawn. I, <laughs> Jeff, Jeff has been working right. so fucking hard. I, I, yeah. Unlike, I'm tired. Yeah, we're, we're, we're just chatting. We're just shooting the shit. Um, I, yeah, my life hasn't been as busy as yours, Jeff. Where are you at right now, Jeff? Now I'm at home. Oh, you're at home? Mm hmm. Yeah. So you're in California? I'm in California. All right. Which is where I live. Jeff just <laughs> sent me a new piece of music that I get to listen to and no one else gets to listen to. You're not really supposed to say that. Oh. <laughs> but it's okay. <laughs> we can cut, we can that, cut that out. Okay. So you want to ask us questions about the music of Fargo? I'm still the, uh, the drum corps man this season. That was... Uh, it's bananas. That was fun. You know, I really... I, I got a lot to... To thank um, the USC people because they were very, uh, very helpful in trying to make in trying to help me get it all together with getting all those guys to the studio. And you know, they were like, "No, you can't pay us because we're." Oh we're yeah, I suppose because they're student institutions. Yeah, it's like so, paying a basketball player. Well, exactly. So <laughs> I had to rent a van. I had to buy twenty pizzas, and then. I had to make some donation to the school. You rented the van that they all showed up in? Oh, yes, I did. Wait, can they <laughs> legally do that? Athletes can't fly on a... Oh, we better cut this part, too. Right. No. They're going to get... Was, there's going to be... This is going to be a huge scandal. Drumline I, at USC. Yeah. <laughs> I, had to pay, I had to pay for their transport. I had to get their transportation there. I mean, yeah, like, yeah. Because all their gear needed to be, you know... It was sure. so amazing. I got to be there for the recording. Oh, and, no way. And, yeah, and it was truly like I got to see a few of of Jeff's recording sessions, and all of them were amazing. But that one in particular was pretty special because these guys are kids, like you know, they're like mm-hmm. eighteen, nineteen years old, and um, those kids were like super excited and so enthusiastic and so young, and um, were so much, it, you know, and you're seeing them out of their uniform too, which makes it more intimate and. Um, yeah, they were they were they were great. It was a phenomenal. <laughs> they were, all, they were all pretty geeked out. They were pretty. They geeked were geeked out. out. Yeah, yeah okay. They, they That's were, cool. Because they were huge fans of the show from season one, and mm-hmm. you know there was that big drum cue in season one that mm-hmm. they really they were like, oh my god, it's really great. And this was sort of like the numbers and, and wrench one. Yeah, the wrench and numbers. So this was sorry, like yeah. sort yeah. of an extension of that piece of music, just like it had some of the same rhythmic elements. Yeah. And, they, as percussionists, were like, oh my god, I totally know that you took this from that and took this from that. And they were really pretty geeked out about it. It's fun. Yeah, they kept trying to like sneak in and meet Jeff. And- <laughs> I, I, I'm, uh, 
I'm going to admit that I have watched on more than one occasion on purpose because I love it. I've watched Drumline with Nick Cannon. It's great. It's actually a pretty... The movie was okay, but the drumming was actually very good. I I don't know if I actually would be a good drummer. I play right. guitar, but I think my my wife, I'll, I'll be driving the car and I'll be like constantly like, I feel like I maybe chose the wrong instrument because I'm <laughs> always drawn to just kind of the beats and percussive things. And, well, uh, so is Noah. I mean, right, Jeff? Like, I felt like all the songs I sent over that were percussion driven were the songs that Noah sort of attached to. Yeah. So. Right. He, digs, he digs himself some, some percussion. <laughs> he likes yeah. a fat beat. He likes a big fat beat. You know, who doesn't like a big fat beat? You know, and when I say fat, I do mean fat with a pH. Yeah. We, yeah. Sorry. Oh, we're just talking about pH. Yeah, we did. Sorry. Sorry. Jeff was not privy to our Fox reference to. Uh, oh. Jeff doesn't know anything about the songs in Fargo. He, oh. he doesn't partake in that conversation. Well, can, can Jeff, can you shed a little bit of light on Didn't Leave Nobody But the Baby and no. recording that? You know, uh, that, that was, um, that was literally, Noah called me up and he was like, hey, can I come by the studio? Can we record a song? And I was like, fuck yeah, that sounds like fun. I had no idea we were doing anything for Fargo. I thought he was just like, hey, let's write a song and record a song. So um, then he called me like after that and he said, so I want to record, um, you know, uh, Don't Leave Nothing But The Baby um, for for the show. And I was like, oh, this is great. I, I sort of researched it, listened to it, and then figured out uh, an arrangement for us to do. And then he came in, I played a little piano, and then he sang, and then I sang some harmony, and then I did some string arrangement at the very end. Um, Which is beautiful. Oh, yeah. Uh, but it was, you know, we had no idea, or at least I didn't have any idea, <laughs> what he wanted to use it for, where he was going to put it. And that was the beginning of, hey, why don't we do all these Coen Brothers song covers for oh, all. Oh, really? For, for, that for, wasn't the beginning. It was Blitz and Trapper. Was it? No, I think. <laughs> I think no, it was, it was Blitz and Trapper. Cause, no, because Noah and I were trying to find someone who could do Nobody But the Baby, and we couldn't find anyone. And he and I were like, had been emailing back and forth about what artists should do Nobody But the Baby. And then all of a sudden, I got an email from you with the MP3. Of uh, y'all's recording, like I had no clue that Noah even came into the studio to do that. So it wasn't the first, but apparently, it was apparently, I know nothing about the song <laughs> for far. <laughs> I had no clue Noah could sing. I mean, I knew, yeah, but he sang last season. No, wait, what did you oh, two? Yeah, no. he did. He whistled. That's what it was. He yeah, that's what it was. He's a yep. hello, not since Axl Rose have we witnessed a whistler. Yes. Like Noah Hawley. Well, he was in a band, right? I mean, he was yeah. in a band. Uh, he was in a band with his with his brother, I think. Um, okay. But he didn't, however, whistle in this season, which has a whistle in the opening of five. Mm -hmm. He didn't do it. I got someone else to whistle because Noah apparently was too busy. <laughs> to like, seriously, <laughs> dude. I just, that, um, I mean, your whistling was good, but it wasn't that good. Did but, you hire a professional <laughs> whistler? I did. I did. The, the oh. guy, the guy who does, um, the guy who does all the sound effects for Prairie Home Companion. Oh, oh yeah, he told me so that. Yeah. I got him to do the whistle, and it was really amazing. <laughs> so that's um, awesome. That was easy. I wrote the piece of music and I sent it to him with the melody, and then he sent me back the whistle. And I was like, "This is perfect. Thank you." <laughs> yeah. It was so much fun to work with Jeff this season on Target. 
who I I forget that guy's name. I'm sorry because there's two of them. The originator of the Prairie Home Companion stuff was Tom Keith, um, um, but no, Tom, was, Tom 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 passed away about it, um, four or five years ago. It's, it wasn't. Um, it was uh, not not Tom. Ah, uh, it's totally it bugging Tom. me that I can't remember his name. Oh my god! Because it, it was Tom most of the time, and then eventually it was um. God, what's the other guy's name? It's gonna drive me crazy. I'll Either way, you. he's awesome. I'm telling you in one second. If you haven't, have you gone to see that live ever? The actual Prairie Home Companion with uh, uh, his Garrison? name is his name is Fred Newman. Yeah, Fred Newman. Yeah, uh, I, have not, I have not. I have not. Let's get him. Come on. Um, I have not seen him uh, live. I've it's never fun. seen Prairie Home Companion live. I mean, seriously, I, I, I the man has made a uh, an incredible career out of being able to breathe whistly through your nose. Yes, <laughs> I, I think it's kind of. I think it's kind of funny that. His no, Fred job, Newman Garrison, <laughs> but but Fred Newman's job is to make mouth sounds. That's the that's his whole thing. Mouth sounds. Mouth sounds. Yeah. And he's not a beatboxer. No, he's not. I want to see. This is totally tangential. <laughs> I would like to see. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if only I was recording all the video from this. Which I'm. Just, yeah. Um, I was going to say something really boring, and then <laughs> Jeffrey so beatboxed. Which well, actually you're not very good at. Sorry. Oh, thanks. Wow. Okay. Jeez. Wow. Maggie's Maggie's kind of harsh and sh- some shit up here. She's no, to, he's she a, hasn't even been drinking. No, he's a musical genius, and I tell him every day you're a fucking genius. Just stop beatboxing. But don't. <laughs> don't beatbox. That's not your yeah. This is an intervention. This we want you to stop trying to follow your dreams of being a beatboxer and stick Let me to composing. Tell you. Just, Let me tell you, it's, it's I gonna... was raised in the eighties, so <laughs> I wanted nothing more than to be a beatboxer. <laughs> well, Bismarcky's got you covered, so you he just... had it. He did. <sighs> we we well, already covered this territory too. We were talking about uh, the music we were into when we were younger, and um, oh, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna I I'm pointing because. Maggie is right here. Jeff is here, and Sharpie's here. But um, we're we're like only separated by like a year. Or so when I told her I was a big De La Soul fan, I saw that she she knew what's up. Oh yeah, and uh, De La Soul, De La Soul, great. Yeah, they they had a big Kickstarter funded thing. I helped fund that. It was awesome. They had a new record out. God, I love that album. Recently? Oh yeah, in the last year. Oh God, I didn't know. Oh, you got to get back on the train. They did a did plug you- one, plug two record, just the two of them without um. Uh, the the other gentleman. Uh, yeah, but, yeah. Did you like tribe? Did you like tribe called oh, yeah. Quest? Yeah. 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 So um, good. De La Soul is dead. You know that that CD cover? It was white with the, the potted with plant the, tipped over, yeah, broken. The, yeah, you can't find that. It's not on iTunes. Oh, um, it, has, it has Biddies in the BK Lounge. <laughs> Biddies in the BK Lounge. <laughs> so here's what you missed, Maggie. They oh. released all their shit for free. Really? For like a limited time, you could download every record it's not up there anymore no they they they, it was a like hey let's just get this out there and let people have it so you can't buy it so based on that though i would imagine that um they probably don't have a big issue with people grabbing it i mean i it's probably on my dropbox because maybe you could share biddies in the bk lounge with me because my friend alana wishnu and i in high school senior year that was our jam and i wouldn't mind owning that I haven't heard it in many, many years. Um, but while he's looking for that, should we talk about something like 
<laughs> relevant to Fargo. Rele- relevant to Fargo and the music. Oh no! Hold well, on. Yo, man. Oh gosh, I'm He's back Crunch. already. I don't yeah. have any milk. Yo, yeah, what time is oh, it? Oh God. What day is it? I'll tell you. I used to know everything. Me and your boss always kind of hungry Like two eggs and a sloppy slice of lettuce And a glass of milk And some cookies Spotted in the mist with the BK logo What we said well, what do you know? Somewhere there is where we should end copyright what infringement you know? Yeah Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. Okay Biddy's in the BK That's so, anyway. so good Hey, if you, for, for listeners Of Fargo Talks Fargo Who are really into uh, the TV show Uh you're looking for some old school hip hop that has nothing to do. They're like they're like the hippies of hip hop. Yeah, they were like super white people, girlfriends, and that's why I probably gravitated. So if to you're it. just tuning in, you're on line with uh, <laughs> Jeff Ruzzo, the composer of Fargo, both seasons one and season two, and Maggie mm-hmm. Phillips, the music supervisor of season two. So how do I get, we just need to get Jeff Tweedy Skyped in and my dreams are all going to come true. I think Maggie could probably make that happen. She can make pretty much anything happen. Really? I just shared with Maggie my deep, deep love of Jeff Tweedy. Um. (laughs) He's pretty fantastic. I mean, that was a, that was a big, big, big get, you know, that was a, I'm assuming, I'm assuming that was not easy to do. Uh, the negotiations weren't easy, but Tweedy was a fan. Jeff Tweedy was, I'm supposed to say Tweedy because it's the band Tweedy now. Like everyone always says Jeff Tweedy, but it is Tweedy and I want to. What's Tweedy? He and his son. It's, yeah, but his band is called Tweedy now. So like. Yeah, but you're talking about the man, Jeff Tweedy. I know I'm talking about, yeah, but the cover was done by Tweedy. Oh, Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I didn't know. See, no, and the, apparently, and the, apparently, I know nothing about the song. <laughs> <laughs> you know these things. I told you these things. They didn't register because he's like writing mad genius music. <laughs> mad genius. It all started with a band called Uncle Tupelo. Right. That I <laughs> and he and Jay were making music together. Right. Yeah. And they make, said, let's not do that. Delicious, beautiful music together. But, so, uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, no, it wasn't. That wasn't a hard. That was well, you know, it was. All the covers were slightly challenging because uh, we had budget limitations and we had a lot of studios, two studios involved. So, so Jeff, uh, having worked on season one, you kind of created a distinct sound, uh, sort of this underlying score for the entire season. Was there anything different about season two? Because season one was very. Uh, centered around pulling a lot from the original movie um, in terms of the storyline. So was season two any different in coming up with the underlying score? Or was it just like a... We, we did everything different. I think like we yeah. we did... The, we had a rule when we started. Noah, Noah and I were talking about the, the, um, the temp score because we were like trying to figure out what the first episode was going to be like. And then what we realized was as we were listening to some of the season one themes, they were so inherently tied to the characters from season one yep. that the, we, we made a rule, no season one themes at all, ever, except for our main theme, which we used in episode one, and you have not heard again right. yet. Nope. 
which um, you it was will. like a, it was like a welcome back. Yeah, you and... you will, but we won't you tell will. them when, right? No. no, no, of course not. Um, <laughs> but uh, other than that, like it's all new. Like we went in a totally. I wouldn't say we went in a, a different tonal direction, but we went in a different sound direction. I mean, it was it's much more sort of um, it's much more rooted in German. Um, mm-hmm. A German sort of classical feel. The Mahler um, with the, with yeah, all the Mahler. Well, well, we use Mahler. We use Mahler in episode two, um, and then I sort of give a nod to to Mr. Mahler um, in in at least one cue, um, where it it's, it was very apparent that we wanted to to sort of make it feel like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No. And, and then, when Jeff sent me that cue, that was that was my favorite. You, when you sent me that, that was my favorite thing you had done so far. I mean, I love everything you did, but that was. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry, interjection and, and no, no, it's, subject. It's, go ahead. There, there is a little bit of so there is a little bit of a difference in in how in how it it had to come together, and you know there were a lot more songs used this season than there were last season, um, and so figuring out how to sort of make that all work together was was a, something that we that we had to really. Um, be conscious of, which I, I really didn't have to be conscious of in season one. Um, so that made it a little different. And then, of course, how to tie the characters all together and yet still keep that tone from season one without losing that mm-hmm. tone, you know, mm-hmm. which is this sort of dark, expansive, lonesome, cold feeling that you got from season one, which Carter also so ge- uh, geniusly did in the movie. And I had to sort of do that again in season two. So, um, you know, it was, it, we had, we had a lot of different things going on and a lot. So of were you things. aware of some of the song picks for each episode when you were scoring? Um, yeah. Or, or were the, or like, did that come late? Those song picks come later. Like how in tune were you to this, the pick, the song picks that were going to be in the episode or maybe like, was there was it always up to like two or three songs that were going to be incorporated with your score? Like, how did you balance that? Act? You know, the 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 way we worked on Fargo was really funny. It's like it's funny that you asked that question. I the answer is yes. I mean, I was always sort of talking to 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 Maggie and talking to Noah about those songs, but okay. songs were changing like at a breakneck pace. It was like right. They would be like, oh, this is great, this is great. Then I'd see a cut like a three weeks later and I'm like, well, what the fuck song is that? Cause that wasn't in there the first. So like sure. things were changing and obviously Noah and Maggie are working parallel to me. So I'm not really in the room when they're talking. Mm-hmm. Maggie's like, not necessarily right. in the room while I'm talking. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what I'm really curious about is that like balancing act because things are, yeah. all, there's a lot of moving parts going on. A lot of yeah, moving don't parts. Don't you think Jeff, you and I talked more than m- most supervisors and composers do about uh, like, yeah, I would say yes, we did. Yeah. Yeah. We but, we did talk and that was the way we were able to make that thing work out. Like things were changing. Now, things would change and I wouldn't necessarily know or I wasn't paying attention because I was so, you know, engrossed in in writing the score that I needed to write. Um, yeah. but we came back together and and what's really great about the team that we have is everybody's work sort of fit together like a puzzle that you never knew it was going to fit, but it just happened to, you know what I mean? Um, which is, I think, one of the things that really made um, the musical aspect of season two so much, so great. I mean, so great, because the three of us really sort of came together, hit the ground, and we were all running in sync. 
And it was it doesn't really happen very often that way, and this just happened to do that. And you can tell that things worked out, and and you guys did an excellent job because people are talking, especially on, well, at least on the internet, they're talking about the score and the music and the soundtrack all over the place, and how this is just like something that's amazing to behold. Uh, and I, I'm not trying to like uh, I'm not trying to like blow smoke. I'm just saying this is actually like happening, and and you're not you're you're no stranger to it. It's people are talking about the score and they're talking about the music and they're talking about the show in general and how it's how it's one of the best shows on television right now. You know, it's like we have uh, we have I I'm not, I got to say this like we've got a leader that mm-hmm. inspires everyone to fucking give a hundred and twenty five percent at all times. It's like and it shows. It's, it's unbelievable to me because like you know you see people who write good shows or they're good directors or whatever. And it's like, you know, you put people together and not a, yeah, it's, yeah, I'll fucking go to the studio and write the score. And I'll, here's a song that you can put in. But, you know, Noah has a way of writing characters that are so great and inspiring people to want to make everything as great as it can possibly be. And the people who can't, they're gone. Yeah. <laughs> they end up being, I'm not kidding. Like, you no, know, they get fired. They get fired. They're gone. You know, like if you're not up to the challenge and you can't really do it, then, and I'm not speaking poorly of anyone because, you know, there are people who are just not, they're just not in the mind space to give that much. You yeah. Know? And Jeff, yeah. I'm glad you bring that up because we've been talking to some other people that have worked on the show and they say, they, they basically reiterate the exact same thing you're saying is that everybody is so proud to be working on the show and that everybody's putting like you said 120 percent into it and everybody feels like this is just one of the best things they've ever been a part of um yeah uh, i've compared it to like you know when you are one of sharpie you're a dropout so and jeff Jeff, you as well you might not relate but phil i mean phil I'm, I'm, a, I'm not I'm a, a dropout, but I at least no, took six and a half years to finish college. Okay, but oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm not a dropout. I never went. To college. Oh, there you go. I'm not a dropout. I made a conscious choice. Conscious <laughs> choice, and and then I talked about how you kill me at words with friends, and you're one of the smartest people I've ever met. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> but you know when you have a professor that is so brilliant and inspiring and uh just so excellent in everything he does. I, I, I always use that analogy because it's like one of those professors that all you want to do is give them everything you have and um, try to live up to what they're doing every day. And I mean, does that make sense, Jeff? Like, yeah, I feel I mean, like you know, yeah, he's, he's one of those leaders. He leads in by, inspira- by inspiring. Yeah. I, yeah. I've, I've worked on, I've worked with people who try to lead by, um, instilling fear you know yeah, or sure. but, or try to lead by anger you know make sure you do it my way or you know what i mean and that's just not the way we make fargo you know fargo is a very collaborative effort but we know who's driving the boat you know what <laughs> i mean like and that's okay we need that you know and what i think saying? that really inspires the details of the show um there, there are so many minute details that because Bill and I have to watch a show every week multiple times over and over again, and I don't mm-hmm. think you would. <laughs> That's not, and it's not. <laughs> you make it sound uh, 
we, we watch, watch it because we, we like because it. Because we like it, and we're looking for these details because we know that they're there. <laughs> it's like it's it's actually fun to be able to watch a show back to back to back a couple by times. The way, in a row. By the way, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that. And I I have actually my kids. I've got to I've got to get my kids to bed. Um, <laughs> it's funny that you say that because I was watching I was watching it um, on on uh, last Monday, and what I realized is I I stayed watching it, and it wasn't like I hadn't seen it up fucking thousand times because i've seen it a thousand times but i watched it and i was like you know what i don't get i never get to see the very finished colored um, yeah you know a totally mastered version whoever's color grading this shit this season the color grading on this season of fargo is off we've been talking about it all season right and if yeah it's really great we've been talking about it all season so i what I was just going to say is I'm watching and I'm like, I'm watching it because I fucking love it. I'm like, yeah. oh, this is fucking great. I hear, a, I hear a music cue. I was like, oh shit. Yeah, that's great. And then I hear a song and I'm like, that's genius that that happened. And then you see the act. It's just unbelievable. It's really. No, Jeff called me this morning and was like, I can't. Can I say what you said today? You I don't. Like, I don't even remember. Do you what remember? <laughs> you were like, you were like, I forget what episode you saw last night. I don't know if it was seven or eight, and you were like, it was seven. Okay, you were like, I can't believe we fucking did that. Like, right. <laughs> like, he was like listening to cues and was like, I can't believe I wrote that, and listening to songs and like, I can't. He was like, we we fucking sure. killed it, and then we both discussed how we would be able to you did do kill it. even better on the next season. Yeah. Which I am full on prepared to do. No, I'm gonna have are to. Are you guys on for next season? We are. Can you say that? Yeah. Yes. yes, we are. Um, I'm gonna have to either pause you guys okay. or jump off or jump back on because here, I got to get my kids. Here's to bed. the deal: if you if you want to just put your headphones down, and if we're right. still here when you get back, feel free to jump <laughs> back it. in. If yeah. Maggie has given us the fuck it, uh, you're out. Right. <laughs> we're out. Well, the computer will be just on a screensaver. But yeah. just in case not, uh, Jeff, thanks so much. Uh, yeah, thanks for joining. Appreciate you, uh, you popping yeah. in, and we really do. It's it's been uh, awesome uh, listening to everything and uh, I, the, the the symbols. Thank you very much. So talk to you later. Great. Good night. Bye. <laughs> I think it's funny. I think Jeff is still here. I think he just turned his video off. So this isn't the first season of this show that Sharpie and I have talked about how much we like the music. I mean, when I told people how excited I was to talk to Jeff when we interviewed him last season. I had a equal amount of people who were like, really? And I was like, I just wanted to be like, let me go erase the music from this TV show. And you, and it doesn't turn it into garbage. I'm just like, you don't understand the special sauce that goes into what this score well, does he, for this. And there's a reason you win a fucking yeah. Emmy for that shit. Yeah. Oh, and, God. And he was robbed. He deserved that. I mean, his score, and I've worked on a, a ton of films with really talented composers. He's fucking brilliant. I mean, I do, I do tell him almost every day, "You're a genius," because not only are uh, is the stuff he writes it's perfect, but he, he does. I shouldn't even tell his secret, but he writes very quickly. <laughs> like you um, see that a lot in those types of people, though they they are able to pull that stuff off very quickly pull that stuff sure. off very quickly i would say yeah. i would say even from an artistic standpoint i mean you guys are both uh sharpie's a graphic designer you you have a background in painting i do yeah. a little bit i dabble in all of the above and sometimes some of your best things and i've song written before it's sometimes the best things happen like that yeah and it, those and you have to but 
it's all the work that leads up to that moment. It's, it's not. It's not. Yeah, it's not that you wrote a song in fifteen minutes. It's, you wrote a song oh. in thirty years in fifteen minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You spent. Yeah. 20 years training your yeah, hand. Exactly. And, yes, and, exactly. Uh, it's it's the culmination of your like overall experience and, and, and what you bring to it. It's, exactly. it's just, it's like, um, we deal with that in, in the advertising industry sometimes They're like, Oh, that's mm. an incredible idea. And you, if you, if you kind of shit it out too fast, people will be like, well, I it's mean, like it only, when you it only took you an hour and you're like, no, no, it didn't. It took no, me 30 years and an hour. <laughs> no, <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's like, the music exactly I, it. yeah, like the music, when I pitch for shows, it's, First of all, it's years and years and years of listening and research. But then even like to narrow down a playlist to t 10 songs to send to a director, I'm listening to about a thousand songs. I mean, yeah, right. There's a lot that goes into all of that. And, and you make it look effortless and, and, you know, that's your job. But Jeff in particular, like I've never worked with a composer like him. And, and, uh, he, when I met, when I met him, I, you know, I was like, if, said before a huge fan of season one and um i was a tremendous fan of the score and i was uh very eager and excited to meet him and and you know excited the opportunity to work with him and uh he, we became fast friends and, and you know composers are weird finicky people like they've got some fucking egos and <laughs> i've worked with those people jeff on the other hand while he he does have an ego <laughs> he's, he's, the J is still on the screen. Hi, Jeff. Okay. Uh, well, I mean, you, he you should have an ego. Yeah, you with someone like that, you have an ego. But the guy can write, and he takes notes, and he's just a, a pleasure, a, a true pleasure to work with. And I pitch him for everything now because I want to continue working with him on everything I do. Well, I mean, here's the deal. I mean, people, you know, he Tonic kicked out a ton of fucking really great songs. Yeah, you know, I mean, good. like if he, even if he wasn't sitting on an Emmy nomination, uh, you know, and by the way, yes, he was robbed. Um, <laughs> I, I I don't watch the Emmys all the time, but I watched it because of Fargo. Very, yeah. very like I, I well, let me rephrase. I watch it, but I kind of like yeah. I mean, I'm out, but um, I don't know. I I I just I like the I don't, the only word I use I can think of it. I like the touch he gives to it, like like what he does, like the his hand. Of you know, he that, that he decides writes, to play, I, I think is really fantastic, and I'm I'm now I'm, it makes me want to look up who won because it just seems dumb. I I, but I'm not what? trying to I'm not trying to discredit anyone. I just I I was very very partial to Fargo in the 2014 Emmys, and on top of that, they they got nominated for all those things, and then and then on top of that, we had to wait so long for, oh, for them to for, get nominated. The, no, for the new season, oh, so it just oh, makes it the, even even more. Oh, I didn't know that was. You know, John, uh, John, uh, Jeff, sorry, I work with someone named John. Jeff writes. John Hamm, tell him I said, hey. Oh, God, I wish I worked with him. <laughs> Fuck, I wish people. I could work with John Hamm, too. <laughs> Hi, John Hamm. Have you listened to Fargo Talks Fargo? Um, yeah. He does. He pretty does. much guarantee you he doesn't. Oh, he does? No. <laughs> he does not. He does not listen. John, big fan. John Hamm's not even on Twitter. Friend. Why would John Hamm listen to a podcast? But, he listens. But, but Maggie. I'd, I'm single and ready to mingle oh with God. John Ham. I'd I'd leave oh. I'd leave my wife for John Ham. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what, you, what did I miss? Oh, we we didn't think you were gonna come back. Oh, I'll get you back. <laughs> no, you know I know that this is an entertainment show. <laughs> um, a show about entertainment. Yeah. But 
bad things have been happening in the world lately. Yesterday was one of them. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. Not, you know, you go there? well, you know, I kind of feel like it's one, thing, it's one thing to, to have it be fictional. You know what I mean? It's one thing that, you know, violence is fictional and, you know, it's like, there's, I mean, certainly for us in our show, there's an absurdity to the type of violence that we have in our show. Like, it's so over the top that you're obviously like, this is absurd, which is yeah. kind of what makes it funny, um, you know, and at least sort of not necessarily funny, but comical in nature, right? Well, it's so stylistic. It's so... Yeah. Yeah, you, you get distance from it. It's right. not real. Okay, yeah. No, but after, after what happened yesterday... Um, in California and obviously in, in Paris three weeks ago and, and, and just everything that's going on, I just needed to sort of just say out loud, like, you know, life is very short. Life is, is, is fleeting and, and, and fragile. And, you know, I think people just need to think about other people, you know, like really have empathy and, mm -hmm. You know, one of the things I, I truly believe about our show, and I, it, I, you know, it's a testament to Noah's writing, you know, is that he writes characters that even at their worst are usually empathetic. Um, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying desperately to, to tie together my... I don't know how you can... To wanting to talk about like the things that have been happening in the world and how important it is that we, we, you know, we do something to fix it. I don't know what that thing is. You know, I don't, I don't know if there's anything that can be done to fix obviously broken, broken people who, who are, who are, um, you know, just violent in that way. Um, but I can't believe you're going there. Uh, you know, I don't know. But, you so know, I, I feel like it's important to talk about like, no, I agree. I'm impressed and that you're bringing it up. I think um, I don't know if you could tie it together. I think what what Noah does so well when he writes these characters is they are um, they all have a level of humanity and vulnerability. Right. We we can all relate to them, That's and and uh, and that makes them accessible even when they're doing evil. Mm -hmm. Things even Mike Milligan, you know, like we can, we can relate to him, and 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 you will, especially in in episode ten, I think. Um, but, but then let's let's but, jump off but, that. Let's talk about so Bo Keen for a second, who is an absolutely fantastic actor who basically steals the whole fucking show. The guy. Oh, there's <laughs> other. Don't say that. I mean, no, he does. He does. He does. A, yeah. He's. He's super incredible I, in, he's in this. He's amazing. I, I'm a full fan of all the he, women. We, so. We've talked about, uh, I mean, here's the deal is um, last, I, I guess I wait before we go there. I guess I, I want to just start uh, trying to decide how to like answer Jeff's thing with, <laughs> a, with a, I, Sorry, I, I, I agree. Like um, here, here's my, I agree, Jeff. And here's how I'm going to tie it to the show and how I can leave this in is okay. that um, we, I, I had a comment. Um, and I, I did get an email from somebody who listened to our podcast because a, a couple, like a week or was it two? I, I forget. Cause we record two podcast episodes for every episode of Fargo. Right. Um, one's a quick take, one's a recap, but I had come to the conclusion, uh, in the episode, um, with, uh, Betsy and, uh, all the pancakes and all that, that I said, Betsy is the heart of a 
whole bunch of things because she's yeah. better than a lot of us. She's smarter than a lot of us. Fuck, she's yeah. smarter than Lou. She's everything. So I guess my thing would be is that, yes, there's a lot of violence on the show. Yes, it's incredibly stylized. And and, and, and it's this, we, Sharpie and I talked um about the, the flip, I, I called it a flipping coin of light and dark constantly between right. Dodd and yet there's this like Sharpie brought up. It's almost like a baby in a high chair when she's stabbing him and then trying to simultaneously feed him beans, uh, which is why uh, Peggy would make a horrible mother. And um, <laughs> but 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 all this said, I mean, we're t- we're talking about fiction and the fact that we're all smart people and we know the difference in the world is yeah we're yeah. we're on a we're on a we're on a crazy spin right now. But but as a character in this show that I I think is like. Yes, Bukim Woodbine is doing a crazy, a crazy good job. But Betsy, uh, it, her character, the way she's written, the things she's doing in this show, to me, that's the actual heart of humanity in this show. Um, and she, like I said already, she's smarter than almost all of us. She's all these things. She has a grace and a knowledge that's probably beyond my understanding. Uh, is the way I see it, and. I think that you you need you need look no further than characters like that for what will make this place better because she talked about at the police station a couple episodes ago about pulling boys back from war, getting people with heartfelt feelings involved about how to just like earn trust and respect for each other without having to like mow people down and uh so yeah yeah and that's how i'm trying to bring it back to you Fargo. Know, and and you know let's tie, tie it back even to even to music you know what you'll what you'll end up seeing which you haven't seen yet is probably the most emotional music that i've written for season two is for her character mm. um and yeah. that's not to give away anything because i'm no, not no 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 um but there, there's a piece of music that I was tasked to write for her, which I had to go back and redo a few times because it was, it's, a, it's a very delicate balance with her because she, what you're saying, I think is right. She's the heart of the entire season. Yep. It's, it's not like Lou is the heart of the entire season. He's sort of the driving force behind everything, but she has that heart and soul that you can't really equate with season one nope. other than to equate it with Molly. And right. well, who is I also brought up was her direct offspring and has got all this genetic makeup from her. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But I would also interject and just push it one step further and say that there are uh, other women that are not as significant as the part of the heart, but like the, even Simone, even, um, but, what is, who's Jean Smart? What is her character's Floyd. name? Floyd. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to get me going on Simone. I love Simone. Ugh. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Noreen. Noreen. Like, she is one of my favorite characters. Yeah. These, all these women are the heart okay. of the show. All these women are the ones that are trying to hold it together and to um, save. For sure. There's definitely all a the female. That the, yeah, the there's definitely a female to, backbone to yeah. the show. I've been lobbying, lobbying Noah to make season three about Noreen. That's oh, what God. I oh, Holy God. shit. If you did that, my friend, my friend Lindsay literally tweeted that the whole next season should be about Noreen because he equated her kind of somewhat jokingly, but in an honest way, because I had this, I had a chat with him in a bar about Noreen, um, that she's a little bit like Lydia from Beetlejuice. 
Um, yes. And um, yes. but um, but but the thing is, is that we we Sharpie and I asked a, a couple episodes ago when we had her, what this this whole like with the the Sisyphus thing, we were like, what what is going on with her? And then when we found out she's an emancipated teen, I was immediately like, okay, I need to know the backstory of that. Right. Like, yeah. like in, in, no, in the I late seventies, an emancipated teen. What the fuck? But, but Maggie, you're, Maggie, you're right. There's, there's a lot of like strong support for they're all, strong. all sorts of and, this. I just think like, Betsy's this really quiet story that is, um, uh, not as, not as like Betsy's the, the, the top of the heap. But I don't know what to talk about Peggy with that though. Peggy's a fucking, you can't, <laughs> pick, you don't know. Okay. Let's just say this. I said she, I, after she stabbed Dodd and then he's like, Hey hon, you got to quit stabbing her. I was like, I said on our last episode, I was like, she's going to load the kids in the car sadly and just drive them into the river with her, which is, you know, why maybe they don't, she and Ed don't have kids, but, uh, yeah. well, I but know. she's self-actualizing or, or it's the most lucid breakdown I've ever watched on television. Yeah, she, like she she's, she's watching it happen and is cool, but yeah. I don't know so where this was going. <laughs> was it was it seven? No, it was the beginning of. Um, We're talking about the magazine scene with it. No, no, no. So wait, eight has already aired, right? Eight, <laughs> I was gonna eight. say you guys yep. have to be that so was, fucked up Monday. because you've seen. I'm it only all. on five right now. I have to say, I've only but eight, so eight, eight aired on Monday. Okay, so was it eight that began with her sitting in the in the basement with the dude yes. from Okay, oh. which is why I said it's the most lucid breakdown you've ever had. Though I mean, she's not so fucking insane. Yes, but the crazy part is that they're not having a their conversation isn't it's it's about things you would talk to no. your friends oh. about. Yeah, like and uh, she's having it while she they stares. They communicate. At, they're yeah, yeah. intimate. It's um, yeah, no, it's it's amazing her it was it was her best episode in sharpie and i's opinion last week actually so it was it was the best episode this season i at our last podcast said i wasn't positive yet but sometimes i need i need space between episodes when i when when we watch every episode two to three times easy uh sometimes when i do that like in succession like one day two days three days i watch them three times sometimes i just gotta say you guys are gonna freak out for season three. We, uh, so so whatever this is, whatever it's worth, Jeff. I, I was sitting. I, I told Maggie earlier, and I'm okay because it's gonna happen on the podcast. Um, I, I got a call, and I'm like, Who the "Fuck is calling me from Calgary?" <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm, "It's Lou." Nope it, it was it, it was Justin, uh, the prop master. Oh, nice. Do you apparently, know I so I, I apparently know they sold all the props from season two on eBay. really. Yeah. Uh, what? Dang it. That's what I heard. Something some crazy. I don't know. I don't know if that well we'll find I'm out. Not ask we'll find out that. later. Jeff and I we got to visit we we visited the set in Calgary. We got to see uh Peggy and Ed's house, the Shag Carpet. Do you remember house, going into that? Yes, I remember that making me feel like I was in my grandmother's house and it yeah. made me very weird. Uh, we still have like the inlet like shag carpet. Yeah. Uh, sort of yeah. like inset living room. Something yeah, living sunken, room. Sunken, <laughs> yeah. And they, yeah, oh, that was a fun room to get into. And then also the Gerhardt's house we got oh, to. Right. Oh, nice. there is there is stuff you guys that is in this season that even more so than last season, which is hilarious to me. That that even going back in time. So I mean, uh, somebody like Maggie and I were three years old in this Fargo time universe, and yet I see so many things that just make me go, "Oh, I know that." I. 
Yeah, well, Sharpie was Sharpie was still a twinkle in Dad's eye. You were, yeah. But I mean, he recognized plenty. He's recognized plenty of things. I mean, there's there. So as I, I hope we get this episode recorded where we talk to them because they did a really really good job about period things and things that are very us like the barrel of fun chips. That's a huge thing around here. You go into a gas station, you're going to see barrel of fun chips. Um, the the beers that we noticed at the Legion uh, right away. I mean, I was like, I was like, it's, he's covering up the label, man. But that is a Liney's original, <laughs> or the VFW, whatever. Well, I don't know. They they never really specified. I don't know if they're at a veteran of foreign wars or if they're at a Legion or. But either way, Carl is drinking, but in whatever Miller Lite paid again, they've been all over the TV show. But um, the other random beers on the side, the only thing that was missing to me was uh, maybe some Grain Belt or a Hams. Well, as we, we got from the land of go. sky blue waters, uh, uh, I will say that this season of Fargo, just as a quick little note to wrap up, uh, this season of Fargo did spark a conversation with my dad last weekend over Thanksgiving. My dad is a Vietnam veteran, swift boat operator, and we've never talked about it. And specifically because of the show Fargo, I started asking him questions. It was the first time he opened up about it ever in my life. Wow. Oh, uh, that's, uh, you know what? That makes, that's great. Which right? is pretty crazy. I got all kind. he showed me all kinds of pictures. It was the first time I've seen like any of these pictures. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you sent me you sent me some clippings. Uh, Sharpie sent me some clippings uh, from like new, uh, like like yeah, because Lou was talking about being that, a Swift boat or from the military in, newspaper articles or something in Vietnam. And I was like, I think that's what my dad was, mm-hmm. and so, and I was always too afraid to ask him. So it wasn't until the show came out that I was like, all right, I better like now's the time. So over Thanksgiving, I asked him, and he was like, opened up about it, which is the first time ever after thirty two years of my life. So yeah, that was pretty fun. Not fun, but you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. That's great. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. And, and that leads me back to we never addressed the whole how we solve the world's problem about um, yeah, we don't. gun, gun um, laws. and We right. don't. No, we don't. There's, there's, there's no solving the problem. No, I'm making, I'm making light of a very serious situation, mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah. But, we, but we didn't talk about that. I led you away from that. Well, that's why, I, actually, though, that's actually exactly why I brought up Peggy, though. Right. Is that uh, I still or think that sorry? Oh God, yeah. Thank you, Betsy. These are all empty. <laughs> um, I thought yes. those were pokes. No, those <laughs> were. The, but but it, 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 it yes, it is really Betsy. It's um, I mean for real. I last season loved everything about it. When Betsy and Carl hugged, I was like. I'm a softy man. It's like when when I have a when when I have a moment like a field of dreams. Hey, Dad, you want to have a catch moment watching a TV show like Fargo? Dude, I'm dude. like, fuck, what ha- what just happened to me? And I just wanted to. I don't know who I wanted to hug more, <laughs> Betsy or Carl, no, or both. I just like bring it been, in, guys. Bring it in. He's just- been in the editing room. I've been in tears in the editing room watching those episodes and looking at Jeff. Like, what the fuck just happened? I mean, is that yeah. what you say, Jeff? Like. Like, no, what I was going to say is when I saw Field of Dreams, I was just a puddle of tears. <laughs> God, right? That puddle scene, though, right? Oh, my Jeff, God. That, you like, have a catch? Hey, Dad, crying in wanna... baseball? Oh, no, that's it. Tom <laughs> Hanks. God damn you, you young motherfucker. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's, it, it, uh... is, it is time. It is time but... for me 
to call it a night. Yes. Yeah, so, so we want to, we yeah. want to, we want to thank Jeff. Thank you for joining yeah, thank oh, you. At, at, at Maggie's uh, request. <laughs> we just, <laughs> we just, I feel like this is, this is the closest we're going to come to accosting somebody via Skype. And, yeah. uh, well, I just, um, I just, Jeff, just so you know, I just, I was like, Hey, Jeff's, I am in me. And you, she was like, Adam. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> that, that was that was the first time I have ever clicked on Jeff since last season when we interviewed right. him. I, I quietly just leave Jeff alone. Um, <laughs> but and also thank you very much to to Maggie for spending all this time with us and talking about the music that has been picked up. And uh, I, like I said, I, I I'm sure I speak for both Sharpie and I that when I say that we we think it's um it's more than writing, it's more than sets and props, it's more than just music. It's uh, the teamwork and the actual effort that goes into making all these things a cohesive thing of of like story and interest and feeling and emotion. Absolutely. And I, I think you guys are doing it better than anyone else on television right now. Thank you. Very thank much. you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Thanks for your time, very guys. Much. Thank so, you. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll we'll cut this into two episodes <laughs> because we've been recording <laughs> for like eight so nice hours. <laughs> we'll see you next season. Well, no, uh, yeah. no, Jeff. We'll see you. What day? Oh, what? My what, what, what are we going to? Let, hey, wait. Oh. We gotta get. We gotta. Let, we gotta let Jeff get a plug in for his his gig. Oh yeah, go <laughs> for it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not joking. We're Sharpie. When are you coming up, Maggie? Do you want to meet us there? Send me somebody. Right send me an email, and I'll make sure that you guys are you know have a ticket or whatever. Yeah, no, for real. I'll okay. I'll go down. Sharpie will yeah, drive I'll over. We'll, we'll make I'll, it work. I'll arrange it. I supervise shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Here's what Maggie will do. She'll she'll get us in for free. <laughs> nice. In terms of the show, we'll see you guys next season. Okay. Yes, bye. Absolutely. Thanks. Thank you guys.